Hey, hello, welcome everybody. How you doing? It's a wacky time. We continue. I'm currently just sat in the studio. I've been in here all day. I've been rigging up um, the video stuff. So we've got some equipment in and it's meant a lot of downloading software, installing software. I'm not very good at it. I end up going down roads where I'm reading posts and forum posts and then I'm watching YouTube videos and I'm following one guy's advice and then getting backing up on myself and going down another. Oh, it's chaos. Chaos. One of the most frustrating things I do. But we're making way. The video stuff's coming on. We uh, we got a switcher turn up that enables us to edit. The camera's on the move for the YouTube stuff, so um, really excited about that. And a little bit of a spruce up in the studio as well, so the YouTube stuff is going to be well cool. We're looking forward to doing more of it and um, inviting you into this little world um, in our little gang. Um, we are going to be playing some more music this week in this episode. Um, I'm really enjoying playing music. We're getting sent lots of music by people listening, you know, demos and stuff that's well produced as well. So I'm going to play stuff each time now because I'm, I'm, like I say, I'm really enjoying it and I think um, the feedback's been great as well. Ten, uh, episode number 10, Four Brothers, a lot of fun. Uh, again, lovely comments coming back. Thank you very much. It's um, a weird and wonderful time. We were just discussing it and trying to make some sense of it and um looks like some of the comments we've had back and the feedback we've had back it's it's um yeah it's 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 helped some people and thrown other people off <laughs> but we're all in it together and i think we're gonna we're a couple of weeks away from away from maybe getting back to something like normal whatever that may be um but yeah look after yourselves one you know and one another that's all we can do isn't it um i think a lot of learning's been happening i think we've We've been looking inside and realising life can be a bit slower and you can have a little bit more involvement in the actual life bit and not just getting the stuff, the money, the bills, the next position, the next place and, and all the rest of it. So I think that's been really positive. Okay, sponsors. Again, uh, not not a lot I can do other than point you guys at these therapies and, and Go Deep Flotation Therapy, who have been our proud sponsors from day one. Uh, Kieran who was on episode number four I think he was on was it number four early on anyway um, lovely guy his his one of his demos was the first thing we played actually music wise um, so yeah I mean just Google flotation therapy it's a wonderful thing calm and still and relaxing and just good for you in every way you could muster and think of. You know, if you are sat in the back garden in the sun tomorrow, have, a, have an hour reading about that and it will blow your mind what, you know, what it does for you. It's an amazing thing. And you just feel great anyway when you've done that. You just feel great. It's lovely. Uh, and it's going to be Kieran's wife on this episode today, so I'll bring you to, to Annie in a moment. Um, our other sponsors, lincolncryolab.co.uk same again just you know do that google on cryotherapy it's really wonderful if you if you do do sports or you're active in, in a workplace or maybe you're inactive maybe you sat down at an office uh chair and desk the whole time um you know maybe you, you you're just not feeling great cryotherapy is a short sharp shock to the system 
and it's wonderful and it's just so good for inflammation and stress and tension on the joints and again you come out of it and you get a real endorphin dump you get a whole dopamine dump it's just a wonderful wonderful feeling and great for your body just your your joints and the aches and the pains and the the ligaments and the just the whole mechanical setup of your body really really benefits from a float and from cryotherapy so check them out google them have a look and then when we get back in the swing you never know chew is the code word and you can get 10 percent off of those when we get back to it okay so this this guest this week is kieran from go this is kieran's wife annie annie ratigan and she is a very interesting lady um thoroughly enjoyed this chat it was it was really nice annie was just really relaxed really cool you can tell that She's been in bands with Kieran and she's been through the whole um, performance thing with music and stuff. So she was she was just really comfortable with the mic and just, yeah, it was lovely. Really nice. And she's, um, as well as being a super talented musician, as you'll find out as as, uh, as it unfolds in the, in the chat, she's not so forthcoming with that. She doesn't feel so comfortable with that, but she does have a really strong sixth sense and a kind of ability to read and use her her instincts with people and things and energy and it was really interesting she she sent me a a, i guess a reading like a a reading the night before which i wasn't expecting i didn't know anything about it she was coming on the podcast the next day and she just i just got this email well i got a text saying i've sent you an an email reading that i've taken from you know basically (laughs) my feelings my instincts and sewed it together and it was really it knocked me back as you'll hear in the podcast, it knocked me back. It was it was strange. I mean, because I'm I'm neither a believer nor a disbeliever in in sort of the whole kind of tarot cards and spirit recognition and reading of of energy and stuff. You know, I like to believe in anything until it's disproven because I think that's that's what life is. I mean, we're walking, talking miracle machines of meat. You know, so anything's possible. You know, we just take everything for granted. So. I definitely believe in energy. I know when I feel good around, you know, positive energy and I know when I feel, you know, uh, anxiety and fear around difficult energy. Um, so it it did, it knocked me back and uh, you'll hear as we discuss in the podcast, it was, it was, it was a strange one. It was, um, yeah, I still not quite sure what to make of it, you know, all this time later. So she's really, she was really, uh, yeah, another another super powerful lady that we've had on Chew the Chat podcast. We're proud of having these these uh, interesting and powerful ladies telling their stories on this podcast. It's been really really nice and inspiring. Um, Annie's she's a Reiki therapist, a holistic sort of practitioner, um, and she does she does her readings as well. And she's yeah, she's a wicked cool girl, and um, I think you're going to enjoy it. I'm going to play some music that Annie and um, Kieran made together. This is when they were, this is a few years back, they they put they put a little um, sort of duo together. Annie's got a sort of a classical trained background and Kieran's, as you, you know, listeners who would have heard his podcast. And for those of you who haven't, do check it out because it's really interesting. Um, very musically talented, you know, really creative and exploratory 
minded, you know, he's just willing to go wherever the feelings take him. But the these some of these tunes that they made, they reminded me of um so they were they, their duo was called Two of Mankind and they put this together, which was interesting at a time when they were going through a lot of grief. Kieran's mum had passed away and a lot of things were happening in their lives and, and it was really nice myself having done music and sort of looking in and leaning into what that must have been like for those two as they were coming through a very difficult time and singing together and making music together. And you can tell with the song titles, the songs themselves, there's a lot of healing coming through them. Um, and it must be wonderful to, you know, with your, the woman you love or the man you love, the, the earth partner you've chosen to to lock into to music um, and sing together and kind of release all of that, that whatever it is, energy, you know, it must be magical, and you can hear it in, in these in these songs. So, I'm going to play a track called it's called For Ether, um, and it reminds me a lot of bands like um, Honey Honey and the Civil Wars, um, particularly the Civil Wars, I guess. And uh, there's a record called Barton Hollow by the Civil Wars, which actually. It's a big record in my life. We played it when my daughter was born in the kitchen. We specifically put it on and the, the two boys listened to it a lot when we were little. And it's just this style of music. So if you like this, I will link these guys in, Two of Mankind. This is this is uh, Kieran and Annie together and it's wonderful. Um, so without further ado, this is episode number 11 of the Chew the Chat podcast with Annie Rattigan. <laughs>
finding young Bobson oh my god he's amazing yeah he's actually incredible he's so good he's just I was saying to Alex like he just sleeps like 12 hours does he every night just put him down half seven go straight to sleep and then you hear him like talking to himself at about 10 to 7 he's just so cute how old is he now six months on Tuesday wow yeah come quick yeah, really fast. Like mm. we were talking about it the other day. Like you can see how all parents are literally just like, yeah, one minute the one, then the five, yeah. then the fifteen, mm. then the thirty. You just see it all picking up. That's oh, just nuts. I just refrain from doing that then, actually, because I'm at that point now where I'm like, wow, six, six years has gone like six months. Yeah. You know, like this little person's just chatting away to me and reading signs and. I know. I, I, oh my god, that we've always said that as well. Like when they start talking, that like that's just going to be a whole different kettle of fish. Mm, mm. I just can't even imagine having like a conversation with him and like him asking questions about the world, oh, and I just don't have the answers. It is. It's <laughs> chaos. Yeah, it is. It's mad. I had a a, f- a few scenarios where quite early where you do you think do I tell him like what's the actual like reality of this question or, or do i opinion. do i give him a you know or like do i give him a child's version of it and I, that's what i've kind of gone back and forth with yeah um, and it's a story i've told on another podcast i think but um yeah he asked me about john lennon being here because we were listening to his music long story short where's how is john lennon daddy where is he and it was like um oh, well, he's you know in the whole well he's dead thing and i just went and i've kind of adopted from that day i've adopted the idea of like i'm just going to talk to him like just tell it how it is i'm not gonna i'm not gonna kind of decorate anything or make anything sugar-coated or you know nobody dies yeah you know, 
it's okay. Yeah, definitely. I'm just I've, that's what I've decided to do. I've just decided to go for it and just say, look, it is what it is. Obviously, graphic details are <laughs> not necessarily. Yeah, he got shot on the street. And <laughs> yeah. No, he's not here. I think the words I used were there was a, the Beatles. They were they were really, really famous, and everybody loved them. And there was a man who really, really loved them, and he liked them, but he wasn't very well, and he hurted him to dead. <laughs> that was that that's great okay Annie well welcome to Tudor Chat Podcast thank you for having me how are you I'm great thank you how are you Annie Rattigan you are with us you are a psychic a musician a healer yeah an all around creative soul Mm -hmm. yeah here to help the universe hopefully yeah that's what we like that's what we like well I'm uh, intrigued to find out your background your path um the driving forces in your life, mm-hmm. childhood. What was that like for you? Where did it all begin for you? Lincolnshire, obviously. Yeah, okay. yeah. born and bred. Mm-hmm. Um, so where we live now is where my parents live and have lived there. My my granny and grandpa actually lived across the road. Oh, so dad's been there sixty years. Um, so yeah, I've just always been around here, really. Um, and yeah, it was it was good. It was kind of simple I was kind of a little bit of a lone ranger Uh, mum always said that you know my brother and my sister kind of just went off and you know would always come back and need something whereas I would just take a book or crayons just go sit in the garden just do my own thing Mm -hmm. just like being on my own Mm -hmm. and I still do now it's great Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah it was all pretty, pretty pretty just pretty fun I guess you speak really well for a Lincolnshire lady yeah, you've got well, very nice pronunciations I, of your words, Annie. I think. Um, oh Cheers, my God. by the way, on the herbal teas. Yeah, detox tea from there Alex. Cling. Ooh. Um, yeah, no, I think I watched a video back of because uh, my grandpa used to record everything on camcorder. Every single family do. So there's me and my cousins from Scotland, all the way from like naught to twelve. And it's hilarious. And after my God, I sound crazy on it. I sound like the poshest bit. I sound like the queen. Really? Yeah. When I'm like seven. Are you? I mean, are your family well spoken? Are yes. You, yeah. 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 No. My dad's a farmer. Okay. He was a potato farmer, and we did have peas at one point. We also had pigs, and then he went down to potatoes, and then. I hope he's not listening to this because I don't know what he does now. He was on about beans last year, some Egyptian beans. Oh, lovely. Well, we're surrounded by Egyptian gods right now. So I the know. Egyptian, uh, the Egyptian energy is with us, I hope. Yeah. That's so, uh, But unfortunately, I don't think any of us really picked up the farming right. trait. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And have you siblings? You're yeah. So I've got um, a brother that is 24, I think, um, and my sister is 31. Okay, so you're slap bang in the middle. Yeah, Yeah. middle child syndrome. Okay, and do you think you have middle child syndrome? Is that something on reflection, you think, or were you just that A-OK on your own anyway and you were just doing your thing? or? 120%, mm-hmm. yeah. And me and Kieran are exactly the same like that. Like, he is the middle as well. We've got the same age gaps with our siblings, and um, we were just kind of like the happy medium all the way through. Okay, for listeners um, who have enjoyed episode number four of the Tudor Chat podcast, that was with Mr. Kieran Rattigan. Yes. Your husband. Husband, yeah. Mr. Go Deep, and you two between you. I mean, we spoke briefly at the beginning of this podcast about your little boys just, you know, just did it comfortable and settled. Is there any wonder? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, you two are, um, yeah, very very 
special humans and that's a lovely lovely environment for him to be in so yeah kieran kieran was episode four beautiful lovely that i mean the, the demo that i played at the beginning of that, that uh that podcast of yeah. kieran's he sent me four or five songs and that one i was like whoa yeah Wow. There's a couple of them. Well, actually, his whole EP that he did last year, which I think he's... Was it Sam Cooke that produced it? It was amazing. Mm. And I still can't believe that nobody's heard it. Yeah, I keep sort of sticking in a little... You need to do something <laughs> with that, Kieran. But that track, I mean, so much energy in it, because Kieran's yeah. just such a sweet, like, guy, you know. And I, I mean, I don't know him so, so well. I mean, my mm-hmm. brother, a lot of my brothers know him better than I do. But obviously, when you have a connection like we've got some some geeky things that we both share, it's like whoa, it's yeah. quite a strong thing. But when that when that heavy riff and those big drums and that yeah. power comes out of him, yeah, I think like, it's just wow. like the whole structure of the song. Like um, mm. you know, because he always says to me when he starts playing it at home, he's just like, "I'm sorry, I know you've heard it three hundred times," and I'm just like, "No, it's fine. Like just go and do your thing." And obviously, he doesn't play as much anymore since we've had Bobby in the business and everything. Mm. Um, before you know, you kind of hear him sort of play this guitar riff in the living room. I was like, oh, that's nice. And then he'd be like, what do you think to this? And they'd play a bit more. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds cool. And then literally within two weeks, he'd just disappear every night for about three hours. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, fine. <laughs> and then suddenly this amazing song would be created. Yeah. And you just think, oh my God, how did you get... I think that's what I always struggle with as a musician. I never got to that point where... I could never really visualise how I wanted it to sound. Mm. I think I was very quick to judge myself and go, well, on the piano it sounds rubbish, so it's going to be rubbish, so I don't want to do it. And then i just knock it off. Right. Whereas with him, you know, you play a guitar riff, and like most musicians, oh, actually, bring in the bass there, then mm. bring in a synth there. That was size sound really nice with the snare in there. Mm. And I just didn't think like that. Got you. But he did, and he does, so... Yeah, when we spoke, he said about that kind of not knowing where it goes, so he knows all the mechanics, all mm. the all, all of that side of it, you know, as you just say there, the bass will be there, the four bars of that, then the, but that muse of just sort of going, okay, right, well, that's good, and I'm not sure where it's going, but it's going to go somewhere. That yeah. bit, I love that bit, that yeah. bit's amazing. <laughs> and I've also been in a situation similarly to, to you where, you know, friends of mine have made music with, and uh, Mr. Wincott, obviously we both know very well who will be on this podcast in the future um one half of dip your ghosts and hidden by sound and a wonderful teacher to the young and an all-around good guy you're going to meet him in a future episode but we would do lots of recording at his place mm-hmm. and his wife lou <laughs> would hear i don't know how many times she Everything. must have heard so many songs that we were doing bless her and she was strong as an ox about it yeah yeah yeah, I didn't think she, she didn't quite get the surprise when it was finished. Yeah, because <laughs> she heard like every single stage. <laughs> yeah. I think you do, and I, I I do with Kieran as well. And he's like, by the end of it, he's like, I know you're going to be sick of it. And I was like, No, it sounds really good. Oh, that's and nice. it does. And I think if anything, it might almost seem like I'm disinterested in the beginning, but it's because I want that at the end as well. Mm-hmm. I want to turn around and go, Oh my god, that was insane! Because yeah. if you're sat there listening to it as much as he listens to it. And it's nice as well, actually, because he kind of brings me in for a second opinion on, like, he he always has this thing where he'll create something amazing in the middle of a song, and it's there, and I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, that was incredible to keep that there. But then he puts it again after the chorus, and then after the middle eight, <laughs> and then after the ending. Keeps and I'm just like, no, well. <laughs> you've just completely rinsed it. I was like, just leave it how it was. It was amazing. Oh. And so I just kind of... 
keep hoi, hoi, hoisting him back. And he trusts back. that. He, sort of, he likes that from you. Kind I of. hope so. He trusts with that and says, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, no, he does. Yeah, he, he, I think that's why he asks me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'd, uh, God, I hope so. Okay, so, yeah, I know you guys, and I've asked Kieran about this, so if you're listening, Kieran, let's get these organised. I'd like to hear the stuff that you two guys did. Oh, yeah. It's on Spotify still. Is it? Yeah. Oh, you'll have to link me then, and I'll link it in, in here if if, uh, if you'd like other people oh, yeah. to listen to it, because I imagine when the way Kieran was talking about it, you two, you were piano vocals, mm-hmm. harmonising with him, and he's obviously doing bits, and he was sat on the box. and yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it would be wonderful, so I want to check that out. It was really cool, and it was very powerful, and it was sort of just the beginning of when we were starting to read more books and, you know, watching documentaries on the world and conspiracy theories and everything, and it was just just kind of, you know, when you just start opening the gate mm. to all of that. Um, so we had a lot to write about, and I always liked that in music if I was going to write... I didn't want my influences to be musicians because I knew I'd end up sounding like them. Of course. So I wanted my influences to be, what am I trying to say? Kind I, of like... I think I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Kind of more like speakers. Yes. And reading books on yeah. people and yeah. just kind of how they were. So not like, obviously I loved John Lennon and George Harrison, but I would rather watch the documentary about them and what they were into and how yes. they learn from that and then kind of take those teachings rather than the music itself, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No, absolutely, absolutely. I think um, I had a similar, off the top of my mind there, I remember watching, I went on, I watched a Ramdas documentary and then I went on a real rabbit hole and being now and the whole thing and I can remember writing bits that were just from that mindset mm-hmm. as opposed to any kind of, you know, sonics or anything like that, yeah. but kind of, thinking yeah it's thinking that way about Mm -hmm. things definitely definitely it's the way you express it and you know there was a lot i think we we wrote one song called mother which is it called mother oh my god i can't even remember the title of it but it was so powerful it was and it's on the album on that ep that we did Mm. um and that's all about mother earth and the damage and everything and and it was just yeah, that one really hit me. Did you write them together, honey? Were you writing lyrics together? Were you structuring it together? Were you one of you bringing something to the table and then kind of top and tailing it, or was it? I think he he was always the core songwriter. I think I I think because I never really gelled as well as him, so he's always been very connected to music, obsessive, and could create really well. Whereas I never got rid of the negative that sounds rubbish thing and I think because that never went that's why my music never became anything better or why I never had the confidence to really go for it on my own Um, and so he would always come to me with um, something on guitar and stuff and then I'd play piano and then we'd start singing and then it would kind of start to flow like that Um, Mm. that was kind of the easiest way to do it but the piano always just kind of gave it this extra oomph um, and then he brought the drums in and stuff. And then I think when he sort of moved on to electric guitar and stuff, it just made it sound so much beefier. Yeah, gotcha. It was great. It was just, you know. <laughs> well, I'm going to link all that in for everybody because I can't wait to hear that. And um, I'm sure there's people listening that will be intrigued as well. So that's awesome. So coming back to where we were, your middle child, mm-hmm. you're cool being on your own with a book and some crayons. 
Where does music come in for you uh, uh, in your life? It was early. I think it was five. It might have been earlier. It might have been four or three. I, I think my first memory of is at a piano lesson. I remember my feet like sort of you know when they're like really dangling because you're so sure <laughs> and kind of being sat there t- being taught one note from the other. Um, and we always had a piano in the house um, as well. Did we have a piano before Granny gave me hers? I'm sure we did. Yeah, we we did. <laughs> oh, I don't know, actually. Get the camcorder out. I know. <clears throat> um, but Granny and Grandpa always had one, obviously. They were across the road, and then she's given me her right Beckstein now, um, which I have in our living room. Um, so it was always around. And when I was at primary school, I was at Lincoln Minster, so that was quite heavy on the music. Um, and then I went to LSST, and at that point, I was having lessons outside of LSST because I had all my teachers from Minster who I wanted to carry on with. So I did singing, I just started saxophone, and was playing piano as well. So I was doing all the grades, working my way through them. And then I think I got to year seven, and my mum and dad were like, you need to sing in front of us. And I was like, absolutely not. And they were just like, okay, well, we're not going to pay for lessons unless you're going to sing. So, fine, I don't want lessons anymore. So I did. I just scrapped it. Really? Was it that cut and dry with your folks? Yep. Yeah, I was just like... So they didn't kind of try and teeter it out of you? And oh, I think they would have tried. They would have been, you know, give us a song. And I was like, no, I was just so... Self-aware, do you think? I was just embarrassed. I don't know. Really? I think I don't know whether I didn't feel like I sounded good. I don't know, mm. but I just wasn't... I just didn't want to do it. Yeah, to expose yourself in some yeah, way. Yeah, like I that. just didn't want to do it. Um, so I stuck at saxophone and piano. Um, and piano... Piano was great. Piano was just constant all the way through my childhood and my teens. I just loved it. I loved the sound and I loved getting better. Um, How old would you have been, Annie, when you started having lessons piano-wise? Four. Really? That young? I think so, yeah. And how did you feel about that? Can you remember? Because I've just got this thing in my mind where I feel like kids go to lessons, novelty wears off, and then it's like, you've got piano at six o'clock, and fuck's sake. Yeah, I always said, um, and I said to Kieran as well, like with Bobby, to, mm-hmm. to push them. And I think that's why it's good to do grades, because you have to work towards Keep striving. Them. Mm. And, you know, doing scales at seven o'clock every morning was literally the bane of my life. Really? But it all pays out in the end. And I'm really, really glad that they pushed me to practice to pass the exams mm-hmm. because I wouldn't play the way I did. Right. So, um, but I did find as well, kind of jumping ahead, The so the piano teacher I had from Minster was great. Then I had another piano teacher when I was 16 to 18 when I was went to boarding school. And she was this little old lady and it was just the way she played was just amazing and I was like I want to play like that I want to sound like that it's all classical like I I loved classical growing up it was just and I loved it more and more and when I went to boarding school I was like obsessed with it and I was obsessed with loads like film scores were my thing mm-hmm. I just listened to Hans Zimmer James Newton Howard um, all those guys wow. all the time because I just I, f- I found the patterns in there's classical an, there's an music. Epic, there's an epic pattern going on there, yeah, isn't there? totally. Big and sweeping and mm-hmm. absorbing. And you can hear, I think that's why I always really, and it is, I guess it's the same with any music as well, I kind of really loved the 
especially with classical music, like part of your A level in music is to listen out for different themes and to try and work out who it is, when it when it was. So is it Baroque? Is it classical? Is it romantic? Then to work out the themes, the types of instrumentation, the structure. And once you kind of generalise and work out who was kind of familiar with what, you could then get a sense of it. So now, still, I remember listening to like Classic FM and I'd be like, oh, it's Tchaikovsky. <laughs> oh, it's the beauty. Because you can tell by, you know, the same way you would with a band and you listen to a band on Radio 1, they've got a new single. You'd be like, oh, that's blah, blah. So you pick that style out and yeah. you, just, you just know. So where did that leave you with your peers? Are you all your <laughs> friends listening to that kind of stuff as well? Or are you kind no. of like, Annie's mad. No. Annie's listening to oh, they must 300 year old music. So boring. Maybe I was. I don't know. But it was, it wasn't too bad. Like LSST, yeah, no, nobody would have got that. And it wasn't really that big of a thing then. It was when I went for sick form. Um, but it was fine there because I'd done oh, I'd done a music scholarship to get into boarding school. Um, so I'd done that. And so when I got there, they were like, you have to join the choir if you're on a music scholar. Um, and I was like, oh, God, I don't want to sing. And then they gave me, what did they give me? They gave me f- free tuition on three instruments. So I picked, I scrapped saxophone, I kept piano, I wanted to pick up singing again if I was going to be in the choir and I took up drum lessons as Uh well but drum lessons is just hilarious because it literally involved me and my drum teacher talking about horror stories and ghost stories for all of it and I think he taught me yellow on by Coldplay (laughs) and that was it which is probably how did you find the beat though did you find because again that's something that I've feel like I've heard many times or maybe even experienced indirectly for other people is once you learn the piano you kind of got a blueprint for most things is that true or not true in your experience I couldn't I can't listen to drums and then play drums I have to see it on a score okay so even when I went to access and I went for a couple of lessons with Dan and um I just said to him I was like you have to write it out because I I need I need to visually see it to to then see where because structurally, that's how I'd learn through everything else. That's interesting. So yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't a sort of listen player, and then especially with drums, that's interesting with drums, especially. Yeah, I had because to... drums is just so much of it is just that rhythm, the feel, hitting the beat. And... I know those poor drum teachers just making them write you know it out. I didn't even ever imagine seeing a score for drums. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, putting them all in crotchets and quavers <laughs> and rests. Yes. And... Yeah, yeah. yeah, it must have been a nightmare. Wow. But yeah. So you start playing the piano when you're really titchy. Yeah. And have you got a natural kind of skill for it or is it just like you just keep tapping away? Is, is, does your mum play? Does your dad play? Mm-mm. No, nothing. My mum played trump- uh, trumpet <laughs> mm-hmm. for not very long and dad played the bugle for oh, not very long. Awesome. And that was it. So we didn't get any brass. Uh, kind of pass alongs for any of us, um, including me. Um, so yeah, no, it was it was just me really. Kind of into it. My sister, my sister did the clarinet till grade two, then sacked it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alfie didn't do anything either. So yeah, it was just me really. Um, so I don't know. I think it was just kind of. I think when you're so young, you just you know it's something that you're learning to do and you do it. And I think. You don't really, 
you like something, but you don't really recognise that. You just recognise it when you dislike it. Mm. So I knew I didn't like singing in front of people, so I stopped. So then when I picked it up again, that was hilarious. I had a French-Canadian opera singer as a teacher at boarding school for my singing lessons, and she was just nuts. She was absolutely nuts. She said, you don't sound like this, you sound like this. <laughs> and then we're just like literally scream the walls down it was it was just crazy but she taught me to sing classically and it was a completely different shift in my vocal cords and a different way to sing and it made it much more powerful and I hadn't really had that because I think when I was learning the first time I was quite breathy and didn't really hold myself and you know this little French Canadian woman had you doing like almost lunges across the music room mm-hmm. and like wheels with your arms so mm-hmm. I remember seeing like people like winding going up the power yeah it was really bizarre like just doing stretches with your arms and your neck and stuff and I remember seeing all my friends go past for like hockey lessons and stuff and I'm just there like <laughs> wheeling around in in this music room just like oh my god conjuring what the power doing? from the diaphragm yeah it was it was nuts but I, with that I just got hooked that's school. interesting that you so did you feel did your voice change your speaking voice no 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 effects there then but you conjured up you did manage to conjure up some strength and some power and yeah. kind of i imagine tones and even maybe even keys that you yeah didn't like all the vibrato started to really take off and the power came and stuff and i'd never really been used to that i don't think because i i don't think i got very far with it i think i got to grade three and did I get for grade three or grade five when I was younger? I can't remember. And then when I went to boarding school, I just did grade eight. And I got, what did I get? I definitely got a distinction. Grade eight, is that like the end? That's the end grade. That's the last one, yeah. yeah. So I just jumped and did that. And, and it so we'll, we'll jump forward just a little bit and then we'll come back to the timeline. So I'm imagining you've done it the second time at boarding school. Mm-hmm. Now singing in front of people? Oh, well... So they used to do every year, they used to do this thing called cabaret, which was like a, basically like a talent show, I guess. Um, but they did it every year and all your parents came to watch. So the first year I did it and um, I, w- I was thinking about singing and I'd been in both choirs at this point. I was having singing lessons, coming to the end of the year and I was like, okay, I should do this. So I said to one of my friends, I was like, I'm only going to do this if you do it with me. And she didn't really sing either. So we did first cuts the deepest. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that was the first time I sang in front of my parents. Any particular version you picked out for that? Because there's quite a few. I think it was Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow's, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Rod, Rod Stewart. So yeah, 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 he did it. Um, but yeah, we just did that, and then that was that was a huge milestone, I guess, because once I'd done that, I then felt better about singing in front so of them. Do you feel like you've? made that transition then do you feel like you've like beat that demon of whatever it was that stopped you and i think i mean i think that was way later i think i'll always find it i don't want to say awkward but it kind of is a little bit more awkward if you're sat in a really small room doing an acoustic gig and there's 10 people that you know i'd rather sing in front of 100 people i don't know Mm. and I've, i've found that with music a lot like if it was a room full of people I didn't know I'd be like and it's strange because I imagine you must be really good (laughs) so it's not like you're kind of you know the world I come from we kind of think we're good and we're brazen Mm. you know and you can be ignorant to the fact that you're not good and kind of somehow wing it and it's strange that you're probably technically 
not far off perfect <laughs> sounding beautiful but really kind of yeah you know i don't know anxious about it i don't know what it was um i always i always felt comfortable and i don't know whether it's because when i went back into singing i did all the choirs so that's why i always felt more comfortable singing with other people mm -hmm. so actually when i did start doing gigs and stuff in lincoln when i was 18 i always wanted to sing with other girls and do harmonies because that's what i'd learned at school so in at repton i'd done the chapel choir so i became head chorister of that then i was doing chamber choir which is like still kind of churchy english songs mm -hmm. um then they made um like an elite group i guess for like all the people that did singing at school and um they named us the reptiles the reptiles which i'm not proud reptilians. of reptilians yeah which you awful. learn much later it's just like oh god are you serious <laughs> i just remember sort of rolling our eyes like oh god and then they used to do competitions all the time as well at school so i remember in the last year I won the popular song. I didn't win the classical one, which really annoyed me. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, I won the popular song. And then we had to do house unison and house harmony. Um, and because we were all in boarding houses, there was 10 boarding houses. So there were six boy boarding houses and six girl boarding houses. So for house unison, it was all the years of school in your boarding house, got together and sang a song, which was epic. It was amazing. Um, and then House Harmony was you take sort of the people that do actually sing in your house and you pick a song and you do a harmony version of it. Mm. Um, so in the last year I was doing that and I was in charge of it and I did um, from Bambi. J okay. Drop the label show. Oh, that one. <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah. So I wrote, um, I think it was four part harmony to it. And just did my own version of it. And we won. And so how is it teaching people certain harmonies like fifths and God knows what? And depends. No, it's not there, it's here. It depends whether, <laughs> I don't know, I guess. Are you cherry-picking these people? Have you got like a I mean, they plan? were good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you're halfway there. They were way. good and they all had lessons and they were probably all in choir as well. Mm -hmm. um, and the people that weren't, you just kind of put them with the people that were and just said, just sing what they're singing. Yeah, just follow suit. Yeah. So that kind of almost was a little bit more challenging when I left because I wasn't used to people just not looking like I got so used to being in choir and, you know, going the soprano today because there's not enough people. OK, so you just sight read what it was and just sing it and you get it. And because you, you're doing it so often, it, it was so normal to me to just look at a piece of music and be able to know what the notes were. Um, and it was the same, so, oh, we don't have any altos today, so can you go in the alto? Yeah, okay, so then you just switch. And I remember, like, in some um, songs during choir, I'd have to switch between the parts and stuff, and it was just normal. I remember going to um, the Christmas carol service at Lincoln, uh, at the cathedral on Christmas Eve one year, and I just kept accidentally just going up to the desk camp for all the carols. I was like, what am I doing? I'm not in the choir here, I can't do that. And it's my, ingrained. Yeah, it? like all my voice just wanted to jump straight up and do this other part. And I was like, no, it's not what you're here for. You can't do this. Oh, so. wow. That's interesting. And so there's a party that's like bursting for yeah, it as well. Just like, yeah, let me take over. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's take us back then. So your middle child, mm -hmm. you're four or five years old, you're having piano lessons. It's not, it's not um, out of the ordinary for you to just be on your own and be yeah. sketching and drawing and just in a little dream world of your own 
what's the dynamics with with you and your siblings and your mum and dad do you get on with everybody cool is there any kind of um me and my sister were, were actually me and my sister did not like each other for a long time and that usually the fights were always about clothes and how many years between you two two so, so it's pretty close so it? it was very close um but we went to we moved to lsst from minster and neither of us wanted to but we had to financially mm-hmm. um so we did move there she didn't want to go i didn't want to go so it was just weird like after that we just Stuck together. Yeah, we just kind of started getting on really well, and we were oh, fine nice. after that. And are you similar similar girls? Do you, no. Was she listening to classical music? <laughs> no, we are polar opposite. We could still get on really well today, and uh-huh. she's she was in London from eighteen oh, to about twenty eight, twenty nine, um, and she's just moved back uh, in the past year. Um, so I see her every week. She's got a little girl as well. So oh, um, we spend a lot of time together with the kids and stuff now, which is really nice. That's nice. Um, but yeah, no, we've always been close. And then my brother. What kind of a big sister are you then, Annie, to your brother? Uh, probably not a very good one if he said <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I mean, we're fine. We're fine. Him and my older sister don't get on at all. But mm. I just take him with a pinch of salt. It's mm-hmm. fine. He's He's, uh, mm. Yeah, he's all right. And what about mum and dad then? So dad's obviously working a lot, I guess. He's farming, he's doing long days. And yeah, dad's farmer. Mum is still a probation officer. Mm-hmm. So she works part-time at Lincoln Probation now. Um, she's been in probation for about 20 years. So she did a degree. I can't remember what degree it was. Is it criminology or psychology? I can't remember. She'll kill me. Never mind. <laughs> um, but she did that when she when she first started because she wanted to be a qualified one. Um, so she did that. Um, so yeah, they're both still working, um, and Dad's still on the farm. And yeah, so with them, it's been it's always been fine. I just kind of was never really the child to to kind of go against them. Yeah. Like I remember having a friend around one night, and oh, I can't remember what we'd done, but we were just both like quite hormonal and emotional about boy and I think we were about 19 and it was a night when everyone went out in Lincoln and my mum was like why don't you just stay here tonight have a have a bottle of wine and stuff and and just chill out here and I was like yeah it does sound really nice actually and then my friend was just like we're gonna go out aren't we I was like no and she was like why not she's like don't you like going against your parents and I was like no, I like them. Like, I listen to How them. How old would you have been then, Annie? <laughs> oh, 19. 19. Mm. So your mum's, you know, let's, why don't you chill here and have a bottle of wine and have some nice food and that to you. I mean, that's a nice, healthy place to be in at that age. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of kids, like your friend there, you know, whether they know it or not know it or it's conscious or subconscious are just... And often it's just because mum and dad don't really get you. Yeah. At all. Yeah, totally. And I, I'm, I mean, on on the bigger spectrum of things... I probably am the, I least relate to all of them, but I probably get on the best with all of them, if that makes sense. So I'm totally different. Like what I'm doing now, all the psychic stuff and the mediumship and the healing and stuff like it, like they're, they're really good. They're really supportive. Like I noticed the other day, like dad had put the, he was interested in an energy healing workshop I was doing. Oh, I was just nice. like, oh, that's sweet. Like he's, you know, he's like, they've, they've always been good in whatever we do. They support us and, 
you know, dad's great and dad always, and Kieran always sends dad his tracks and oh, dad's always like, nice. sounds great. I think you should turn the vocals up a bit. Yeah. And, and Kieran's like, yeah, okay, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really sweet. So they, they are really good like that and they always have been and, you know. And Kieran's mum has the podcast you know, we delved into it with Kieran's mum being a singer as well. Yeah. And having that operatic kind of powerhouse voice. And Yeah, she was amazing. I wow. was lucky enough to spend about three years with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went to a couple of her gigs. Um, and it was just nuts. Like, she did, was it Nessie Dorman? Is that the oh. word? And she just absolutely nailed it mm-hmm. every time. Like, I think I heard it about three times when she did it. And it was just never heard anything like it and what was she like was she, with, with her confidence for taking the stage and performance in front of oh, people yeah she was uh, very thespian yeah. but um just owned it absolutely mm. owned it and just kind of you know how like with theater and you kind of and even with classical music you're telling a story when you sing it so you're kind of acting it out and hand gestures and mm. you know you can tell all the emotions of whatever's going in the song even though it's in german Mm-hmm. And she was very good at that. She could do all of that, and it was great. And she was always very, um, what's the word? If you're not, you know, you you never really know that you're good. Or, okay. You know, people tell you you're good, but you're quite, you kind of brush it off. So she, there's a humility kind of, uh, almost like a... I don't know, what, I know the word. It's not strange, though, but like like you, I, I sh- does she rub off on you in any way when you watch her perform? Do you think, bloody hell? See, I can do that. You know, I can do this, and it's okay. And yeah, she's always really happy and bouncy about it. And you know, yeah, yeah, totally. And I think we we did. It was really weird actually because we organised to do a concert together in the October in the year that she passed, and she passed in August. Um, so in October we'd arranged this concert together and I was going to sing before her and then she was going to sing after mm-hmm. us because as well I wanted to hear like all the sort of older generation in my villages around me and stuff they would have absolutely loved her so I wanted her to sing there too so we kind of organised for that and yeah she was she was very switched on with it all and yeah she mm-hmm. was really good I think mm-hmm. we just almost kind of wish she did more with it because mm-hmm. she would have been mega what a lovely, lovely thing to have shared, though. That is, you know, it's really nice and a, a poignant, a poignant uh, thing that you share, you two guys, Kieran and yourself. You know, the fact you've got these kind of crossovers of, yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, it was really it? good. Yeah, yeah. So we've, we, you've, essentially, you've grown up happy, really nice, balanced, responsible relationship with your folks. Really, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you, you mentioned the middle child syndrome. Did you feel w- was was there any kind of tipping of the scales with the oldest, the youngest in any way? I mean, was your brother a tear away and he had to have more <laughs> more kind of attention, or were you ever aware of any of that, or were you just literally it's all good? Um, we're all very different, um, and I think you know if my sister would have moments, she would come to me and we'd talk about it. If my mum was struggling with something. we talk about it dad just kind of plodded off and went fishing that was fine still does that's his way of having Mm -hmm. a release i guess Mm -hmm. um you know alfie is is totally different to us and you know and and it can be frustrating at times that you know the way he is and stuff and i think especially with us having kids you kind of 
I didn't know whether that would kind of change, but at the same time, he's he's young, so he's not really gonna. I think he's just gonna grow into himself. Got you. Um, and I think that just takes time and patience to just sit back and go. Oh, it's just a phase, mm-hmm. you know, grow out of it and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think so. But you, you pretty, you pretty solid. Then there's just you're just in a healthy pretty healthy place growing up you know balance mum yeah. and dad together mum and dad love one another yeah absolutely um, supporting you whichever choice you make yeah definitely I think secondary school I probably that was another kind of thing I think you always know when you don't really fit in with a certain group so I kind of got on really well with all the people that all the guys that were a bit laddie and loved football and stuff I then also got on really well with all the people that listened to Slipknot and Corn. <laughs> I loved that. Thought that was epic, and that was kind of more where I was drawn to was all the kind of heavy rock music and punk and stuff. Um, and then I had another group of friends that um, were all really smart and just really down to earth, and I kind of hung out with all of them. So there was never any kind of one solid group that I stuck with, and it was the same at boarding school as well. Like I was, I was friends with all different people and lucky for me that like you know public school can be quite oh I don't want to say snotty but it can be Mm -hmm. like if you go to particular ones but Mm -hmm. Repton was incredibly down to earth and the people there like you instantly felt like you were supposed to be there and it was okay for you to be there whereas you could I remember going around a couple of boarding schools and being like I'm not welcome here Mm. because they just look you up and down and think no yeah, I've never really had a, a, a warmth or an endearing kind of pull towards boarding school until I watched Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, well, Repton was like that. It was great, and yeah. I, I, you know, I, you know, so many people said to me as well. They were just like, "Oh God, I bet it was like prison. I mean, you couldn't do anything, you know, because we couldn't drink and." stuff like that and we were 16 was it mixed you mentioned though yeah so okay yeah so there was so the boarding houses were single sex so we had four girls boarding houses and six boys um but it was it was all kind of spread out around a village so repton was the village and, mm-hmm. and all the houses are spread out and the school sites are all kind of spread out throughout the village and all the main part of the school is like a big it's, it's like the Newport Arch, it's all big stone, mm-hmm. and you kind of go in. They're all sort of the, the cloisters and all the big halls and stuff. So and it's, it's a bit like Hogwarts. It was that part was literally like Hogwarts. I think there was one, which was probably the oldest boarding house, which was schoolhouse, um, and that was really old and really haunted and just. <laughs> well, we'll get to that because EP. Yeah. yeah, I'm. Uh, we're. We're on a, I think we're on our seventh or eighth week. We're on the Deathly Hallows part one this week oh, with, yeah. with the kids. We've we've been doing it one each week. Is that why your son's dressed as Harry Potter yeah, right now? They are just <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah, have been since World Book Day, um, and they will be casting spells and all sorts later on. But they've coped really well actually with it. Uh, yeah, because it does. I mean, I'd watched bits of them over the years, but never sat down. We've gone obviously week to week and got mm-hmm. really acquainted with it. And they've done really well with it. They've done really well with, like, cause there's some real... It gets quite dark yeah. towards, yeah. like, the last couple of films and you kind of think this has gone from Philosopher's Stone where it's quite child-friendly yeah. to, like, you know, yeah. relationships and isolations and who's yeah. going to die next. Yeah. And, the yeah, dark It does turn, but... We'll see how they get on later. So, OK, you mentioned there the haunted... 
ghostly aspects oh, yeah. that you start recognising in your life. And obviously, mm-hmm. as we sit here today and we have this conversation, you know, a big part of what you do is is using your intuition and your feelings of mm-hmm. what surround us and what you know what signs might be and so on. So you've had a lovely upbringing, solid, healthy, happy. Boarding school's great. You, you've got your catharsism with your music and your learning. Mm-hmm. And then when do you start to think, ooh, I'm getting a shiver and I'm, what's this? Yeah. Um, I don't really know. Like, I always say to people, like, it's, you know, when you hear it and, you know, you read an article in a magazine, it's like, well, I saw my granddad at the end of my bed when I was four. <laughs> and I just never really had that. Like, I, the only thing I can really remember as being really prominent was I was seven and me and my sister were sleeping downstairs in the front room and um, I remember a woman bending down next to my sister and kind of, I couldn't see her face, but I could see what she was wearing. I could see she was in jeans and a jumper. And we'd had all the family round, um, because I think it was Easter or something. So they were all in our beds upstairs, like all my mum's sisters and husbands and stuff. Um, so I remember, because I still remember the feeling of lifting my head up from the sofa because I was holding it at such an angle for such a long time. I was like, that's really hurting. And I remember seeing this woman literally like crouched over my sister and then she looked at me and then we've got like a, like an archway kind of round doorway in, in the front room and she just stood next to the door staring at me and was just sliding into the hinges for about 20 minutes. Whoa. And then she was just gone. And I was like... A long oh. time, though. Yeah, I was like, that was really weird. And then I just went back to sleep. And, and I how said, old are you there? Sorry, probably about seven. Okay. Yeah, I was young. And um, I, I said to my mum, I was like, who came in to check on us last night? She said, no one. And I said, yeah. I said, I think Auntie Nessie or Auntie Fred or someone came in. She's like, no one came in to check on you last night. It was like two o'clock in the morning, I think. And it was, and that kind of has always stuck with me. Did it scare you, Annie? Or no. Was, or was it something that you were just kind of like observant mm-hmm. of? And no, it didn't at all. Um, and then after that, I just kind of, I was always fascinated by ghost stories. If somebody said that they thought there was a ghost in the house, I wanted to hear about it because that, I always find that really interesting. Um, I watched Ghost Adventures and Zach Bagans all the time. Like I just, like it, it just really interested me. And the idea of that, you know, that someone that's passed over could still be here. And if it is here, they're manifesting, like, physically, you know, moving things, turning lights off. It's like that just, it's a whole different kettle of fish. And I was like, this is crazy. (laughs) And it just really, and I remember a couple of times, like, I remember going to one of my friend's houses and I just got this feeling in my stomach. And I think it was... 14 or 15 it's just one room in a house and I used to go there like most weekends I just couldn't go in that room I don't know what it was and I still don't know what it is mm. really but it was always so cold and it just made me sweat and feel sick every time I went in it and in, in, by the wow. end I just stopped going in it so it's like this is weird <laughs> okay so from from that first night when you're seven <clears throat> do you start to see anything else any patterns recognize anything it's just no it was just that and then i just didn't really think of it as like an like i was experiencing something it was just like it was just something that was a bit weird um 
And then it was just kind of the fascination of everything for ages. And I, when we went to boarding school, I, obviously that was really haunted. And a lot of the buildings were haunted. And they had in the library at school a black book, which was like literally, because it was such an old school, it had been there about 500 years. So all the kids that were there, like, so there was one boarding house um, that one of the traditions was that when all the new kids, so I think it would be year nine, when all the boys would, would come there, they'd all have to run through the corridor and all the older boys would throw pillows at them and hit them over the head with pillows. And um, One student had put a glass ink bottle in his pillowcase, whacked this kid over the head and it killed him. Oh, fuck. So a lot of these... Um, Jesus. Yeah. And it's in the black book as this incident happening. Um, but if you asked any of the cleaners who cleaned that boarding house, they always see this boy. And they, they know all the kids are in lessons and stuff and there's no one there. Whoa. And they always saw this boy. So like that, things like that, I was like, oh my God, yeah. this is amazing. But it didn't really become a thing until we started looking into spirituality really in 2013, so what, when I was 23. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it really started when um, I went for a psychic reading uh, with a lady um, in Birchwood or Donington Park called Michelle Sale, um, who still teaches me now. She teaches me Reiki and she teaches me, um, I do a, a workshop, a, a circle with her, a women's circle. It's been okay. the same six women in it and we've been in it for three or four years together. We meet up every month and she just kind of teaches us how to do readings, pick up on energy and stuff like that. So it's kind of constantly developing mm. our abilities and stuff. Um, and I went for a reading with her on my birthday. Well, I think that must have been 2015. And she was like, you'd be really good at this, by the way. And I was like, well, good at what? And she was like, doing readings, doing what I'm doing. And I was like, yeah, right. I was like, obviously I'd love that, but I don't, I can't do that. She was like, yeah, you should, you should do it. So I was like, okay. Didn't really think anything of it. And then she invited me to um, a psychic development workshop in the November, I think. So Kieran's mum had passed in August and we were still kind of heading that way anyway with what we wanted to do. And I think if anything, we didn't know if it would just kind of help with him for sort of like a bit of healing and stuff as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just remember doing an exercise with, with people and I just remember I just got this woman through, got all the details of how she died, where it was in her body, um, what she was like as a person, what she was wearing. And this woman just looked at me and she was like, that's my grandma. Whoa. And I was like, oh, is it? She was like, yeah, that's, that is my grandma. That's how she died. That's the age she died. Everything. And I was like, oh. And that felt really good mm -hmm. that I could pick up on something like that. Um, so that I'm constantly developing as well as the psychic side of it as well. It's just, it's just a really interesting... So you mentioned you start to pay attention to that it finds its way back to you, if you like, through when you and Kira and yourself start to sort of leave the, for want of a better explanation, kind of the mainstream framework of everything. Yeah. And start to go off into the books and into the documentaries and start unweaving. Mm -hmm. I think that's how it always starts, doesn't it? Is that you kind of, you start talking about it with people 
then it kind of evolves into like conspiracy theories mm -hmm. about 9-11 mm -hmm. and you know did that person really die or was it covered up by the media mm. and then you kind of start reading all these books and finding out all these really interesting things about what if it wasn't that what if something else happened and we've not mm. been told about it and then that kind of stems on to sort of getting back quite angry about the world and uh -huh, war yes, yes. and politics and then the frustration then turns into peace because then you kind of see the lighter side and i think for me like as angry as you could get about the world and being negative and you know this is wrong and we shouldn't be doing this and why are we fighting this country and stuff but then it was forgetting that there was just all this amazing stuff in the world as well and focusing on that that's a really good point you make, honey, because I think lots of us sort of get behind the curtain. So all of a sudden we realise it's not, life isn't just what the news at 10 says and the disc jockey in the morning and the advertisements for all of the, you know, keep up with the Joneses and mm -hmm. Saturday night takeaway and here's another contestant and here's a seven minute thing. And can you just say that again into the camera? Let's just do that one more. You know, and you realise the world isn't just what you've had kind of, directly fed, fed into yeah. the frontal lobe of your brain through yeah. the television, the radio and the media, the tabloids. You, you, you pop that off and I think you mentioned it there, you can get, you know, it, it does start with all the big stuff, the mm -hmm. Kennedys and the, you know, but what it really teaches you is that we're far enough, enough along the timeline now where there's patterns that develop and you go, hang on a minute, yeah, there is mm -hmm. things here that uh, there's other alternative reasons yeah. that maybe this has happened. Yeah. And that anger bit you talk of, some people get stuck there. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I've got friends and, you know, we went through similar things, read books at different times and then sort of went through that whole journey. But you can get stuck there and you yeah. can get stay bitter at the world and kind of, you know, not trust anything or anybody mm -hmm. and kind of get really caught. And then I think that's a difficult spot to be in. But if you do manage to come out the other side and you mentioned you see the light and things and realise that everything's complex and that's a really nice place to get to. Yeah. Especially... When you've got kids, because now you've got this kind of... Yeah. Th there's a broader kind of way of seeing things, isn't there? Definitely. And I think I think with anybody that has kids, like, for us, it was kind of like you suddenly... Everything we did before was great, but now, like, I, I, I struggle to see why people wouldn't want kids because they don't want them to grow in, up in a toxic mm -hmm. environment. But to me, I would want to raise children in this environment so that I can show them all the good that's here and mm -hmm. to teach them the light side of everything, not kind of say this place is poisonous and we've done this to the world and stuff. It's like, how can you help us? Mm -hmm. And you can be part of the change as well. And, you know, me and Karen were talking about it the other day and it's just like everything you do, like before it was for me and for my career and stuff, but now everything I do, I do it for Bobby. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I want to be good at what I do I want to be a good healer so that he's proud of me and do you know what I mean like it's, yeah it's it's all for them and and you're so lucky as we sit here in you know March of 2020 in as as I mean you're you're a generation probably younger than me but we are lost in the digital black mirror world now of kind yeah. of everything now and for you to be in a relationship with somebody else and have a baby and be married and to share some of these fundamental padstones. Mm -hmm. That's a really 
powerful thing now because so many of us are, are kind of we're all hooking up in the kind of slipstream of our mirrored versions of ourselves yeah. you know and pretensed kind of adhering to the version of ourselves to somebody else that we want based on some of this sort of you know outside mm. influence of social media and where we should be and what we should look like and what we should have and yeah i think bringing up kids if you're in a position like you are where you you just you share those fundamentals you know and the willingness to grow yeah for your son and for future children that's just going to be so such a, a rewarding benefit because it's just truth it's just mm -hmm. flat solid truth yeah you know whichever direction that goes in and i think that's something that as you say, teaching that to your children these days, it's difficult because mm -hmm. everywhere you go, people are heads down in screens and then they just pop up into this world. And yeah, it's tricky. You know? It is. It's it's totally tough. And you know, I've really struggled. Or I still really struggle with uh, things like Instagram because you know it's a way for people to connect to me if they want a reading or they want to come for healing or whatever. And I I want to be more approachable than that, but. I'm struggling to sell myself as a product because, mm. you know, I don't want to sit there for four hours rearranging my hair and mm. the right light. Like, I just don't have the time or the patience to sit there and do those kind of posts. And it feels superficial to you, I imagine. Yeah, doesn't it, it doesn't feel real, which I think is why I've got about 3,000 pictures of Bobby on there. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter what he looks like, he's great. So I'm just like, I'll just, I'll just fill it all with that Bobby. Is, that is our modern kind of dichotomy for me i mean we talk about it did a, a recent episode with my brothers called four brothers and we were a bit pissed actually because this is a bar <laughs> over there and we were a bit righteous and you know all truth told it's just an excuse for us to get together in this mad busy world because yeah. we're all older now and it was lovely and we, we this topic seems to keep coming up with us as we're sort of we're spread across my youngest brother george 13 years younger than me i'm the oldest mm-hmm and we're kind of dotted in between those 13 years, you know, six years, 10 years, and 13 years between me and my brothers. And it's strange how we're all kind of dealing through the various stages mm. of it together. Because yeah. I'm old enough to not have had a mobile phone and cer yeah. certainly no internet or anything, you know. No. We need to phone a girl up after school like oh, yeah. you'd, hello Mr Robinson can I speak to Sarah <laughs> you know like and if you had to be somewhere you'd be there and then obviously my brother's coming through at different stages so we talk about this a lot and, and how how it affects us today and when you say about bringing kids into the world and I've got friends who who, who won't bring kids in based upon that and I respect mm. that I get that but yeah. I've just finished a book called Sapiens last month and what I took away from it and I keep banging on about this is the human condition seems to be two things really it's like and they feed one another it's like it's like love obviously which sounds woo and cliche and everything but it is the fundamental universal truth <laughs> that's it yeah and then we've got the why question and the creative kind of endeavor to get to the why all the time so our evolution our revolution is always we've got the next thing the next thing it's better it's quicker it's faster mm. even back in you know hunter gatherer times whatever it was if someone came up with you know if you hold this leaf like this you can hold the water in in it and yeah. you, you haven't got to keep just you know that is evolution of technology mm -hmm. and what i seem to i don't want to call it a conclusion because I'm, I'm, I'm never a closed book on anything but it feels like the human condition is like the most pure thing to feel is un, is unconditional love which essentially is reproduction yeah which is to bring 
little humans into the world that yeah. you own that you've made you've created with somebody you love somebody mm-hmm. you share your fucking madness from behind your eyes yeah <laughs> that you found somebody else who's like yeah we're okay we're together we can do this together this is crazy and then you have this 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 little human that's just fucking blows your mind <laughs> in every way that you can never articulate to anybody no but then if you don't do that you'll never know what that love feels like yeah so it's difficult to actually say well it's not for me yeah because you know you'll mm. never know yeah. and it's not for everybody i'm not, I'm not, no. not by, in any way am i saying mm. everybody should have children at all i'm just saying i've come to a personal kind of point at the moment where i'm like it seems to me if i boil all this madness down to like this fucking something consumable it's like we all need love like more than anything yeah and the purest way is is when you have your children it kind of teaches you something about you that you just never find otherwise Mm -hmm. it feels like but then is that adding to the whole kind of it's just a fucking i I don't know i know i really don't know yeah because we always said as well like (laughs) i remember when bobby was born and we were in hospital and the first night we just didn't sleep after we'd had him we'd had him like 20 past five in the evening and we were just awake, just kind of looking at him like, oh, my God, he's here. Mm. And I just remember turning around to Kieran. I was like, I love you, but I love Bobby. I'm sorry. That was just like, you're great, but yeah. he's whoa, yeah. something else. And yeah. he was like, yeah, no, I'm exactly the same. Like, you're great, but mm. he is great. There's something, <laughs> this is what I'm talking about, Annie. There's something so intrinsically primally wired if you so happen to be accepting of it, of mm-hmm. you know, like if, like I said at the sort of beginning of my little rant, it's like it's, it feels to me I might be wrong. I hope that I'm wrong. It just feels to me that so many of our kind of loving relationships, you know, as in courting, as in boy and girl, girl boy, boy boy, whatever, mm-hmm. are kind of not helped by the culture that we've created now where so much stuff is superficial and we're going after symmetry and things more and more than ever yeah and missing the point and because you've got 10 inboxes it doesn't really matter if it doesn't work out with me and sally because i've already got you know janine and francesca and they're all poking me and inboxing me and it's kind of like this whole Mm -hmm. "Ah, next move on next it's exciting next novelty it's next and you're not retaining anything Mm -hmm. and i i feel like that like I think me and Kieran did it last September where we did scroll through September. And it was it was the weirdest thing we ever did, but it was probably the best thing we ever did. You like did what, sorry, Annie? Scroll free September oh. where you just get rid of all your social media apps. Oh interesting. That's got a name. Scroll three. Well, yeah, I think it's a thing. Okay. Well if it's not a thing, it is now. Yeah, you've just fucking <laughs> put it out there to the well, tune chat people. Trademark that. Yeah. Um but I no, like it was um and I remember doing it in the first week. We we were quite depressed. Because we, we weren't getting notifications, we weren't getting likes, mm-hmm. we weren't talking to people unless it was by text and WhatsApp and stuff. So it was just weird. Like, I felt quite isolated and, like, like I was missing out because that's where everybody is. And t- to not have that. But then after a while, you're just like, okay, well, actually, instead of thinking about, you know, who might have posted a cake on social media, <laughs> then actually I could read a book or I could mm. go and, you know, get back into running and stuff and... By the end of the month, we felt so much better, and it, it's really good to have those breaks. And yeah. I say that like I do it all the time, but it's something that I want to do again because, mm. 
you know, you do it so many times and I'm so glad Instagram's brought that thing up now where you're scrolling and it says you're up to date now. Does it? Yeah, so you'll get halfway down and it'll be like, um, oh, wow. you're up to date. So if you carry on scrolling, it's everything you've already mindlessly looked at. Everybody listening now knows that moment when you realise yourself, yeah. I'm just fucking looking yeah. at shit. What is this? What am I doing? And you manage to, even when you even when you have the thought, you kind of keep you just, flicking. That finger just there keeps going. There might be going. something. There's going to be something. That, oh, what are you oh. Yeah, it's a strange yeah. it's a strange phenomenon. And we, 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 we're, we're similar in the sense that... Um, you know, if we go camping or anything like that, you know, we'll we'll phones will be kind of there for for the camera element, yeah. and maybe we'll have podcasts on. But in terms of engaging with the digi world, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll cut that off. And we're certainly conscious now that kids are getting older. That etiquette in the house just think about what you're doing. You know, yeah. there's no phones when we're eating dinner. There's no phones. You know, the kids get back from school. You know, I might have a couple of emails to send or I might get a call from work, but we're conscious of like, okay, now it's like they go, yeah, put that out of the way. You know, whenever they're around, we try and do that as much as possible. Yeah. Um, They're at the age now where it's like, you know, maddeningly, I mean, crazy, but people have got phones and stuff and we're like, look, you know, just again, coming back to what I'd said, I don't know if it's pre-podcast or not, but I said to you about... um, like when he's talking to me, like what do I tell him? Here? Do I tell him the crap, yeah. or do I sugarcoat like a you know dad to something? Mm-hmm. And he was asking about phones, and it was a an example at Christmas. Gone to see some of their cousins up in Newcastle, and they were all playing. How I remember it, and you probably got experiences just like yourself. You see your cousins you haven't seen for a year, mm-hmm. and it's they're a tiny bit older, a year or two older. And so at first, I noticed my kids were a little bit like they were super excited, but like holding holding it back because <laughs> they were like, oh god. You know, and then that ice breaks, and the next mm-hmm. thing they're flying up the stairs, down the stairs, yeah. around the coffee table, back out the room, back in the room, crisps and bits and bobs, and up and down and round. And it's amazing, you yeah. know. Oh, where's where's so and so? Oh, he's in the wardrobe. We'll get you know, is he all right? Yeah, we're playing whatever it is. Yeah. And then one of the older cousins got the phone out. Okay, and then they were sat on the sofa. Never forget looking at this because it just triggered me. It's like, oh, this is it. Yeah. And he's playing, you know, hunt, kill, whatever on the phone. And uh, his his sibling was with him. It's like a line of them on the sofa in like age. It's like a little... Yeah. <laughs> and then my two boys were kind of in and they're all leaning over and watching. It's just silence, just watching. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, you killed him. You killed him. And all, the, you know, and I was looking and, and like thinking, this is it. This These feelings that I'm having, when I'm looking out of my eyes from behind my skin into the world and I'm kind of, everything you hear is kind of, we're disconnected, we're yeah. falling apart, we're, we've got depression levels, anxiety levels through the roof, kids aren't able to be social, they don't know how to, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, well, a minute ago, these kids were like, imagination, physicality, yeah. on the move, interacting, uh, role playing, yeah. you're a pirate, I'm a, and now it's like, we're all silent, we're, we're sat down and we're watching somebody else just killing yeah. whatever it is even if it's zombies in a game like just the idea that it's kill kill yeah. you're dead yeah you know and and then and then what and then when we got in the car to leave sorry i'm digressing on a story here, but it's you know kind of relevant we got in the car and it was, daddy daddy when can we have a phone when can oh. we get a phone <laughs> and i was like look <laughs> okay listen i said uh and we anyway, we went on a whole spill, and what I decided to, to say was, look, I told him the whole... We, we had a 40-minute drive up to Middlesbrough from uh, from Newcastle, so my wife and I just 
do what we normally do, which was like, okay, looked at each other, say, right, you follow my lead. I went in, I said, look, do you know the man who invented the phones? He was called Steve Jobs. <laughs> I said, he was super, super intelligent guy. I said, but guess what? What, Daddy, what? I said, well, you know, he had children and he didn't let his children have phones until they were, guess how old? And they were like, I don't know, Daddy, I don't know, six, seven, eight. I said, no, no, I said, 12. Yeah. 12? I would my definitely do 12. I said, well, do you know why? And then I ended up starting making bits up because I don't know Steve Jobs why I didn't. I've got an <laughs> idea. It's because he realised that the young brain has got to develop before you start getting lost in the hypno... Yeah. You know, the hypnotising, colourful, moving motion of a, of a phone. Mm -hmm. So I kind of gave him that whole spiel. I said, look, you know, it's you're, you're learning all the time. When you're looking out the window in the car and we're driving... I said, you're, you know, you're learning, you know, you saw the angel of the north and you've seen, you know, you've seen all these things. I said, yeah. you don't know it right now. I said, but you're learning. You're loading your brain with information, like from the world. Mm -hmm. And when you've done that, I said, when you get to about 12, then you probably will have something, you know. Mm -hmm. So that was really interesting. And, and I spent 40 minutes, like, the whole of that journey, kind of trying to make it as, inter you know, interactive with them. So it was on their level, but it was actually the information was... Mm -hmm our information yeah do you know what i mean and that's what i found is the thing with the phones is we've had a we've since had a kind of a, a bridging you know with the, the older ones at um year one now in school and they're at parties and everyone's got not everybody but some of them got phones a lot of them got tablets and stuff mm -hmm. and they haven't and we were kind of alex and i were like look we can't as you mentioned earlier you know when you realize the world's bent out of shape you kind of you want to make one that's the right shape which is the thing to do but yeah you've got to also be aware that they are in the playground they are with the kids yeah so we were like how do we bridge this gap so they don't they don't become sort of well left out bitter and left out and then resentful of us and then that whole void can open up mm -hmm. and my wife said well why don't we get them they've been asking about games and stuff why don't we get them like a retro games console that they can have like you know on a rainy day they can have an hour or at the weekend when they've been good or they've done their jobs or whatever and it's like yeah that's cool so we ended up with like a retro mega drive yeah and they have like a bit a, a bit on that every now and again mm -hmm. and it seems to have for now fed them yeah just enough <laughs> out the way and like, it's been quite a trip down memory lane actually because yeah. i can remember getting one of those but it seems to be like the payoff at the moment. You know, they've got their little thing. So when the conversation's flying around at school, they've got their little mm -hmm. mega drive. And, I think that's the most difficult part about it, isn't it? Is that, mm -hmm. you know, it's all right because, and it's the same with our our parents really as well. Like we started getting mobiles. They didn't have them just because they didn't have them as a kid. It didn't mean they stopped us from having it. Like mm -hmm. it's it's today's society world, yeah. and how how our world runs and unfortunately in a way that's how our society runs these days is with iPhones and androids or whatever and it's it's how they do it and stuff but i i would like to think that we would wait until he's 12 because that is when they need it for when they go to secondary school and if they're walking home and stuff mm. and if anything, it's more of a safety by thing. By the time Bob is 12, I mean, God knows what will be happening in the way they actually do their work and actually yeah. store their information. The bloody contact lenses by then. Yeah, yeah, you just... Yeah, you just, hello, yeah. talk God, to your yeah. mother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It, that's the part of the world that scares me, but, you know, yeah. it's, what, it's what we're in, it's what we're doing. Yeah. So, digressing wildly there on a tangent, kind of, but coming back to... You know, you're you're in your 
early 20s then you mm-hmm. and Kieran are kind of discovering this other world this this you know different to the one you've known before and you start to feel as you're learning about I guess you read in philosophy and spirituality and people's life learnings and stuff mm-hmm. and you start to feel your I guess it's a skill a gift that you've got that you don't know you've got but you do know you've got kind of yeah it starts to come through you meet this lady you're reading mm-hmm. and then she kind of pulls you in and says you can do this you have a moment where you break through with somebody mm-hmm. and then you've got the the wind in your sails i'm guessing yeah well i mean i think i probably didn't have much confidence to do it at the beginning because obviously it's really out there and to me it obviously feels so normal now like to talk to about people that have got messages from people that have passed over and stuff like that that's part of my life now and that's what I've been learning to do for the past five years so it's normal to me so I need to be more mindful and careful of of clients now who haven't experienced that yet and are new to it and you know kind of not just come in and say oh you know I've got blah blah here and they said da 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 and then to just have them well up it's like Okay. Well, for instance, <laughs> so you sent me you sent me a reading through last night. Yeah. Pre pre podcast, and I wasn't expecting it. I know you'd mentioned that we're going to do some, but I've never done anything like this before. And mm-hmm. I think I did say pre podcast. I've never really known where I stand with this stuff because yeah. I'm not, I never disbelieve anything. I'm a believer in anything until disproven. I think the world is magical. I think just we're magic. Yeah. You know. Totally. Um, but yeah, I checked in on the email last night, last thing, and you'd sent over a reading, and I was like, "Whoa!" And I mean, like three yeah. pages of light, and I can see that you—it's just coming out. Yeah. You can tell the way it's it's written. <laughs> and, I, and and I was like, "Whoa! Yeah. This is this is mad." So, my question to you is: is how does it come to you? Does it come to you in a similar way each time? You know, in any crude way, I can kind of put an analogy to it is like I can remember like maybe when I used to go clubbing and maybe I'd have a little bit of you know um, <laughs> toxic help yeah, yeah. Like, like some kind of a drug and you would come up on a drug mm-hmm. you know like a, um, and you'd feel yourself get warm do you go to the same place every time like when I used to have that feeling I quite remember thinking oh god yes this is this is gonna happen then that's gonna happen then that's gonna happen and then I'm gonna be there yeah is it that that in any way or is it just I mean how do you conjure so I start with a meditation so I activate all my chakras ground myself protect myself um and then so what I do with the email rate reading so just to to briefly talk about those so obviously I can do face to face as well but since I had Bobby um, working around a baby and then trying to get a client in in a day for a reading whilst he's napping was just going to be impossible and I didn't want to have because I and you need to be as clear as possible you need to be a clear channel basically and I can't have anything coming in that shouldn't be be there um, so now it's a lot easier because if I do an email reading, I know that he naps solidly for two hours at some point during the day. So I'll, I'll put him down for his nap. He doesn't really wake up for the whole nap, which is great. So I know that in that time I can meditate and I can do an email reading. And that usually consists of me doing the meditation, which usually takes about 15, 20 minutes. And then I pull up a picture. So like I took a picture from your social media profile screenshot that stuck that on my desktop on my laptop 
And so I had that up and then had the page document next to me. And then it is literally like you just, it just pours out. It's it's crazy. It's like the best way I can describe the way that I do it, because I would have thought that with with mediumship and psychic work, so mediumship is where you're getting messages from spirit, basically. Um, psychic is when you're reading their aura and their energies and you're picking up their feelings, their emotions, the past, present, the future as well. Um, that is a lot more to do with you, your intuition and things like that, which ironically I'm not very good at in life. So okay. in terms of relationships, people, friendships, like Kieran, for instance, always says to me, oh yeah, no, that's going to go tits up basically i'm like no no they're gonna be fine literally two years later not a thing anymore i'm just like how do you know that he's like i've always said that Mm. and my judgment of people whether i'm too um i just try and see the good in everyone so Mm -hmm. i don't think that they'd have the capability to treat me like that Mm -hmm. so um i've had that with friendships before i kind of think no they wouldn't do that to me and then they do it i'm just like okay, why didn't I see that coming? But I think it's because I go in like, no, they're good. There's a reason why we have a good connection. They wouldn't do that. Um, So, yeah, so kind of with the readings, what I tend to do is the way that I can describe it is it's like, you know, when you daydream and you talk to yourself in your head, it's like that, but it's another voice coming in. Um, So I'll kind of get fed information from my spirit guides, basically. Um, and then I'll kind of go into the mediumship side of the reading as well and see if you've got anyone there with you, try and work out who they are, when they passed, um, what they looked like, what they did. They'll sometimes, I'm quite visual. So um, again, it's like a daydream. So I'll be shown clips of something. So I will see you doing something and then I'll write that down because I think that's what they're showing me or they'll show me something and I'll just check that it's an interpretation or whether this is actually it. And they're like, no, this means that they have to do this. So I'm like, okay, so for you, this is what this is meaning, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with that, I draw oracle cards as well, which is similar to tarot's, but I find tarot cards really complicated. Like, I don't know what they mean. Mm-hmm. And even with cards themselves, like I don't, I don't know what the picture means. Like, really, like, you know, people kind of, if you go to a tarot reading and it can be like, oh, so there's blue in the background and that represents blah, 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 blah. Okay. I don't do that. Like, for me, it's, I don't know. So say if you, if, if I pull seven cards and then I'm like, okay, this has come up. Why has this come up to this person? Okay. Well, it usually comes up for this. Okay. Why do that? Why do I think it's come up for this person? Okay, well, actually, and then I'll be shown a clip of something. Whether it's to so say, if you've got foundations, is it talking about your life? Is it talking about you moving house? Is it about you doing something new and putting the groundwork into it? And then I'll get shown a clip of something. Okay, to, it's to do with a house. They're going to move house. Okay, and then I'll kind of go off that, and then that will just kind of pour out as well. So when you're shown a clip, is it kind of a like any other kind of visualization you have in your mind when you're yeah. thinking about oh tomorrow I'm gonna I'm gonna wear that dress because we're going to that thing and it will look really nice. Is it kind of yeah. you get in that kind of just mm-hmm. imagination kind of just manifest? You just kind of start to see that person, and I've never really thought about it, but whoever I'm reading, I can then start to see them, and 
you know are they crying are they emotional is is there a partner there what do they look like is it happy is it a past one and the more you kind of ask and the more you kind of get used to to learning more and and working out what it is and i think the key with it is to just be as open and as relaxed as possible because the minute you start worrying about it that's when it can all go a bit wrong well, that i think was my next question is like how do you discern experiences in terms of how much of your energy in your life, how much stress that you're having in your actual life, how much sleep you've had or haven't had? Yeah. Any fallouts, any, you know, whatever the life stress is that you're just having in your everyday life. Mm-hmm. Can they carry in if you're, can they sort of, you know, muffle Affect the... Affect it. Um, it's difficult because so like this week I've just had a really odd week and a lot of bumps for me personally and I did a reading I think on Wednesday and I think it was because Kieran kept coming in and out the room and I sent it to this girl and she was like I'm, and she was really sweet I said but she was like I'm really sorry it doesn't resonate with me at all mm-hmm. and I was like I don't get it I was adamant mm-hmm. and honestly that is the second time in five years I've had a reading that hasn't sat well with somebody. Okay. Um, so I was really like, what have I done? Like, how, is, how has this gone wrong? Because there must be a reason. And then I kept thinking about the fact that Kieran had kept coming in. And when I read it to see if it would relate to him, just loads of it did. Really? Yeah. And I was like, I'm just picking up on my bloody husband. Mm. I was like, oh, for God's sake. So I messaged the girl and I was like, I'm, I'm really sorry. I said, I think I've just been reading my husband because he keeps walking in the room and talking to me. Mm. And I think I think that's what it is. So then lesson learned for me, like, I need to go away. Right. <laughs> I need to maybe go and sit in the reception of the mm. centre and just isolate myself so that it's just me and their energy Mm. um because as well that's why i always use photos with just that person in because if you have a group photo you're probably going to start picking up on somebody else that's in the photo so then i'll be reading something and they're like oh that's interesting so if you were to look at a photo with for instance you me and whoever my brother my my mum and my brother yeah would it, would it be possible that you would end up yeah. sort of knitting together because you picked up on a few things mm-hmm. in there that were really interesting? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I wonder if it'd be nice if 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 my family would be up for coming to see you. Actually. Yeah. So it's interesting. It is interesting, and I think you know, even with the mediumship side of things, like sometimes. I'm I'm so certain when it comes through and I can see them and I'm talking to them and I'm like, yeah, this is this is this is this person and this is their circumstances and this is who they are. And that person would be like, oh, I just don't, I'm sorry, I just don't know them. And I'm like, okay, go back to your mum and ask her if she recognises them. And then they'll come back and go, oh, yeah, apparently it's, it's my great auntie, Blue. Mm. I'm like, oh, so it doesn't necessarily mean that yeah, it's not cut and dry. It's not polarizing in the sense that uh, this, because when I was reading through it last night, I read it when you sent it, and then when my wife got back from her um, work, we were we had a look through it again, and she read it and kind of gave me her in- interpretation, and she and she picked up on a couple of things that I was like, she said, "Oh, that that might mean that," and I was like, oh. "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." I mean, I need to read it again. I kind of it's weird. It's like not to in any way sort of measure this against watching films or whatever but like sometimes when I'm really taken with something 
it puts me in a certain space that I can feel and I kind of have to digest it and mm-hmm. revisit and digest and revisit. Do you know what I mean? Well, they're heavy as well. Yeah. And for me, I want I want my psychic readings to be a healing process. I don't want it to be... Um, to be honest, I think they all are, though. If you go to any psychic medium, that's the point of it, is that you're going to get comfort from somebody that's passed over or if you need guidance and that... You know, and I'm I'm the same. Like that's all I want is that I want that person to come away and be like, God, I feel so much better. And like I'm really glad my mum came through. And then actually, they've talked about this, this, and this, and my career. And now I know that that's what I was thinking of. And that maybe I should start thinking about this as well. Um, so I I do want it to be a healing process. So I do feel, and I've had a lot of that recently as well. Um, quite a few readings with women and stuff this year, and it's all been quite common feelings and situations where there's a lot my sort of general overview with people at the minute is that nobody's really talking about how they're feeling they're not expressing their emotions and if they've been through something then it's not coming out so then it's manifesting later and that is something that I want to push and especially with trauma and PTSD and stuff later I want to really focus on that and getting that out of the person and, and dealing with it mm-hmm. because I think what from what I've seen a lot of people tend to just carry it because it's your body's way of coping with it they go you've been through this you can't deal with this right now so let's just bury it and then we'll deal with it later and then you know six months five years ten years it just suddenly comes mm-hmm. up with that person and mm-hmm. they don't know how to cope with it yeah such as I mean I've got friends um that work in this area as well and so often that's the case and so much so where I was inspired to read a book The Body Keeps the Score which basically says exactly that you know yeah. that we we put it under the, ru- the rug we think mm-hmm. but mainly maybe it sits in your hip or yeah. in your back or in mm-hmm. your shoulder or in your neck you know and yeah it's really fascinating yeah I, I, well, I wanted to ask what if it's not good news what happens if it's You've got to write something. You're fucking, You're just typing, and you're like, "Oh shit, this is this isn't going to be fun." I mean, how, how do you deal with that? Does that happen? I've never had anything where like people, because a lot of people with me, like I, th- I find that people that aren't interested or say they're not interested, it tends to be, um, I don't believe in any of that stuff. Then that changes to, I re- it really freaks me out. I don't want to hear about it. And then it changes to, I'd be too scared to hear what you were going to say. So it's just kind of the process of um, people kind of getting comfortable with it. And that's what I want it to be. And I think with negative, I've not really had anything. And if anything, if somebody's having a tough time or it's going to be a tough time, the stuff that's coming through is really comforting. Mm -hmm. And it's not like... I've I've never had through, and I don't think I ever will, touch wood, mm-hmm. get, you know, blah, blah's going to die in seven days. Like, I just don't think that's the thing, mm-hmm. because how is the human supposed to cope with that? Yeah. And if you're telling somebody that, like, that's not... Unless I genuinely felt like somebody was going to be in danger, mm-hmm. I guess, but I just... I've never come across that, and, you know, the only... I feel a lot for people, and I think... A lot of the readings I've done have been incredibly heavy and, you know, they've been through something really major and it's kind of just helping them deal with that and how to move forward the next thing. But, 
yeah, I've never really had it where it's been, I don't know. I just, yeah, I've just never, I mean, I hope I don't get anything like that because so it would be what awful. About, what about even if it's just like mundane kind of like negative, you know, like, how do I say? Yeah, so it's not dramatic like someone's going to pass us, but just like, there's just not a lot of positive. It's just kind of like nothing's going to change. I mean, if anything, you it's... Got, you got, you're in regression. <laughs> <laughs> it's not looking great for you. You're lazy. <laughs> You just shit. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Pay me 30 quid. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think if anybody, you know, if it is a negative reading, then they're not going to say to you, like, the messages that I get from the other side and the information that I'm being fed, they're not going to say, oh, things are going to be shit for you, you need to mm. deal with it. They're yeah. going to be like, this is going to be a tough situation. Mm -hmm. This is what we think you should be doing. And extract positive from yeah, that. To yeah, to grow from it. Yeah. Or like, you know, try this therapy because I think that might suit with you if, if this is where you're having problems and stuff. And yeah, it always leads to a positive. Like, I don't think unless you were working with very negative energies they'd be like your life's gonna be shit and it's gonna stay shit forever <laughs> i mean that would be horrible oh god yeah but um yeah no it will always be positive or it would just be comforting it would be i mean i think for me as a reader um i probably don't say what you want me to say um because i think i'm like i'm like an advisor so me and Kieran are very different because he's an empath. I'm more of an advisor. So he will give you a massive... That's why women are drawn to him because they'll just kind of pour out all their problems. So Kieran practices this as well? No, 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 no. He's just he's just in he's a just social tuned. situation. He's mm. just, yeah, they just, they just flock to him. Mm -hmm. And um, he's just very good at dealing with, you know, he'll, he'll kind of ask the right questions that people don't expect to hear, but mm. they need it. Mm. Um, whereas with me, and you know, I've kind of said to my friends before, like, oh, I'm really sorry, like if I'm a bit brutal sometimes, but I, it's the stuff that I feel mm -hmm. like I won't sugarcoat it. I'll be like, well, you're doing this, and you know, we've already discussed that you shouldn't be doing that, so yeah. we need to look at how you can move forward and mm. what will work best for you. And I think it honestly, I'm being drawn to this, and it should be that. Mm. And you know, sometimes people come for a reading and they do just want a big hug and for somebody it's just like it's okay you're gonna be fine and that that's just not how I do it um so that can be quite tough but you know a lot of my friends are like no no it's, it, it, I go to you because you're honest mm. and you're brutal and well, I need I that think, yeah and, and and humans we're all so very different aren't we and I imagine some people want to want to go for readings to kind of to find some something to, to take back into their lives, mm -hmm. even though internally they might already know that they need that, that this work to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? But definitely hope that someone's going to tell them, oh no, you know. And then there's people who, like me, totally unassuming, un unexpecting, that were like, oh shit, you know, yeah. like, wow, that's you know, it's I guess yeah, your intent going in is mm -hmm. huge for clients for you I'd imagine I think yeah definitely everybody wants different things from it so um, you know you'll get people that you know they'll want a certain answer 
and they just don't get it. So mm. to them, the information's wrong because it's not what they want to hear. Yeah, does that happen? Yeah, is it, oh, well, that's rubbish because... It, you know, I haven't had that yet. Because you just have to accept whatever it is, digest it, whatever it is, yeah. and let it wash over you, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, definitely. But we do have this inbuilt bias, don't we, to like, if it's positive, I believe it. Yeah. If it's negative, ah, it's a load of bollocks. It's wrong, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. And I think... It can be very difficult for people to hear. And I've I've found as well the sort of past six months that because my meditations have got deeper, the work I'm doing is getting deeper. So I'm getting deeper with the person. So a couple of people, you know, when it's their first one and stuff, I'm just like, you know, I'm really sorry if it's quite heavy um, because I really go in. But at the same time, that's the best way that I can help them Mm -hmm. is that, you know, I'm making you think about something that you didn't think was an issue but actually when you think about it now it has been bothering you and it is something that you need to work on it always seems to be the case the hardest thing that we need to do this is another mantra i try and live by in my life you know that internal dialogue and floating Mm. helps me with this massively you know whatever it is that you know the next move in business or the you know you haven't spent enough time with the kids whatever that niggling little voice is in your mind that's mm-hmm. sort of talking to you and you can justify a million ways around it you know oh it's because this and i haven't seen the kids as much because i've been working hard and i'm providing and yeah. whatever it may be whatever that difficult dialogue throws at you is normally the thing you've got to do mm-hmm. you need to act and do something and, and let this in definitely that's what i find I think a lot of the time is it, it definitely is stuff that people don't want to hear or, mm. you know, they were kind of expecting something else. Um, but, you know, I just, I just deliver what I get and what I, what I think is important. And, you know, I, th- I think it's a major step for anybody to go for a reading because um, it's almost like counselling. Mm. You're, you're technically counselling that person because you're giving advice and guidance and... You know, it might not necessarily be what they want to hear, but it might be what what they need. Mm. Um, mm. So, I just find it so interesting. I found it so fascinating. And you know, when I get, I've had quite a lot of messages this year about just kind of opening people up to holistic therapies and alternative therapies as well. And like, you know, kind of suggesting things like acupuncture and Reiki and stuff and things like that. And to get people to to kind of go oh I I haven't really thought about that but I'll try it because I'll try anything I'm in that Mm. point where I need to try something and I've had a couple of people come back just like thank you so much Mm. like this has changed my life Mm. and it's just kind of opening that door and like at the end of the day when you go for a reading all I'm doing is giving you options Mm. as to where I think is the best route for you to go but I'm not going to force you to do it it's going to be totally up to you as to how you want to do it and if you choose to do it so I'm laying out possibilities as to which I think is going to be the best thing for you, but actually only you can decide whether that is what you want to do or whether you think it's easier to just keep doing something else. It feels to me almost as if, and and I get this feeling across the whole holistic kind of mindset, the whole, I don't want to use the word industry, but anything holistically minded, you mentioned acupuncture, you mentioned Reiki, you know, therapies even nutrition and just going outside you know mm-hmm. just it's almost as if 
you're offering somebody the chance or opening the door to just allowing themselves to be open to things. Yeah. As as much as anything, whether it's, it's up to go on and do acupuncture or mm-hmm. whether it's to go and speak to somebody, you know, and do, you know, mind therapy or whatever it may be. It's like the idea that without knowing it, maybe you've shut off because medicine's medicine and life's, you know, this framework. Yeah. But actually, I wouldn't be someone who necessarily do that, but I'm going to... I'm going to go over that way and see what happens. And yeah. then in doing acupuncture, you 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 end up learning about this or le- you know whatever it may be. You've kind of just opened up a yeah a whole I don't know um, a line of mm-hmm. energy you're you're allowing in. Definitely, and I think you know like the reading is such a big step that if you've already taken that step, like why not go further? If mm. it's worked for you and you've benefited from it. Mm. And like holistic and alternative therapies are like anything else. Sometimes they're going to work for you and sometimes they're not. Like not everybody's going to like Reiki. Not everybody's going to like acupuncture. But some people, it's going to really stick with them and that is going to be their go-to. Like floating is your go-to. Reiki's my go-to. Like it's all whatever works for your body, your mind and your soul. That is what you need to do. Um, And I think, yeah, it's, it's just kind of switching that light on in people's head going, oh, hang on. There's another path down there that I could do, which is just as beneficial. Like, there's no harm in me trying it. So why don't I just go down there and try it and see if it's any good? And because, then because the the other, I don't want to call it an option, but the other, the way we deal with our lives is if we get jobs, we get mortgages, or we pay rent, and we get cars, and we try and conduct relationships. Mm-hmm. And if something breaks down in us, you know, we don't necessarily understand it. Yeah, bone or or you know something like that but like in our minds in our consciousness in our stress levels we don't necessarily know when something's you know not responding how it should or it could and we go to a doctor and we'll get some tablets or whatever it may be but we don't actually service ourselves or mm-hmm. MOT our our fucking abundantly fucking busy brains yeah. and minds and to, to sit and talk to somebody like you or have a reading or go for a float or whatever it is to check in with yourself just mm-hmm. that alone from the alternative and holistic kind of mindset is enormous because life's busier and I mean I'm always banging on about it in this podcast because it's something that I'm coming to terms with in my life we've mentioned it today bringing kids up fucking this life is chaos Yeah, it's mad there's so much data and stuff and to just go in a tank for 60 minutes or sit with you even doing this podcast for me is therapy yeah listening to people and getting everybody's angles of their lives and different mm-hmm. ways of anticipating change and it's good for me you know yeah. and i hope people listening get that from it i mean so far so good you know people have sent lovely messages and like oh you know i'm not mad because you know annie said that as yeah well. she thought, you know, like, and all of a sudden you know that that's really nourishing yeah i think we need to do that more i think a lot of people don't realize how switched on they are as well and um, one of the things that I've been doing recently is I've just started doing healing workshops so obviously you get Reiki healing um, and then I wanted to show people that you can send out healing without having training like if your intention and your belief is there that you're sending out healing that person is going to receive healing from you Um, so I wanted to do a workshop based on that where we do a lot of group healing where you all stand round in a circle and have one person in the middle and you'd all send healing to that person at wherever they had an ailment or an illness or something or an injury um and we did that and it was just 
amazing like it was just a mixture of of ladies from like the 20s to the 60s you know some knew each other some didn't some came on their own there was only 10 of us and it was like the most natural thing I think I've ever experienced like it was just so like they all just came in and lied down and did this meditation and I you know afterwards I was like okay so what did you see what did you experience like I kind of said to them at the beginning like you know just be aware of any sensations that you have do you see colors do you see people do you feel anything on your body like start taking that all into consideration so then when I got the feedback after and they were like, oh, yeah, I could see I could see red when we got to this chakra. And then I could hear this voice telling me to let go. I was like, this is amazing. Mm. Like, these are people that, you know, it's just been a passing thought that they'd be interested in something like this. And then it's just worked for them. And it was just I, I felt like a proud mum. Like I was just like, this is incredible. Like this has worked with people and I was like I want to keep doing this like I'm opening people up to realizing that there's something else there and you know if you want to help your friend that's got cancer and she's having a hard time then send healing to her and it will help her it will it will you know make people feel more comfortable and relaxed and I just think it's amazing well listen I think we need to send people to you we need to link <laughs> people in I think that's a lovely way to bring it home you know you you've you and Kieran, marrying, going on your journey, you know, learning, growing, just feeding one another, mm. bringing Bobby into the world who's just surrounded by just this lifting energy, this truth. Yeah. That's just amazing. Yeah, you definitely. Know, you've got go deep flotation there. And as you mentioned earlier, you know, the plan is, is that you just keep sort of building that into a wider oh. therapy for people to use, you know. Yeah incorporating your workshops I guess and definitely I've got, I mean pipe dream for me is um, I would love I watched um, A Star Is Born okay. I don't know if you've seen it is that the Bradley Cooper yeah and the Lady Gaga one it's meant to be brilliant it's amazing Th that, those two didn't make me go gotta see that and when I've you see say, them together but I've heard lots that you know and I will check it oh it was amazing but the thing that really got me at the end obviously he's playing like this alcoholic musician um, and just at the end when he stood, I'm not going to give it away actually because it's a spoiler. Spoiler alert. Oh, well, I can do, no. I can do a spoiler. I'll do a spoiler. Okay, spoiler the, alert. Okay. If you're going to watch it, turn this down. <laughs> um, but at the end, he's, you know, he's very suicidal and he's just stood outside his, his garage with a rope uh, or his belt buckle or something and then he hangs himself. Shit. I know. And that just, that just threw me and with obviously how many people musicians and comedians and stuff for committing suicide it really really got to me and I was like I want to help people in the media and, I, and if there's any way that I can create sort of like a healing centre and I said this to Kira and I was like oh I've, I've suddenly the, the plans start going the pens come out and I was just like I need to make a healing centre that's kind of en route for people that are on tour or you know whether it's off the motorway or something so that you know, if musicians or comedians and stuff were touring, then they could book a day out to just Thank have you. that time, yeah, mm. to just talk or have Reiki or have a reading or go for a float for a couple of hours, like, and just have somewhere to just chill and have someone to confide in. And I think that, for me, that is 
that is a big thing that I really want to work on and I think I'm going to see if I can get in with the army barracks as well in Lincoln because I want to help people with PTSD so will you will you be looking to sort of unify with go deep then is it all going to be in one kind of place well yeah hopefully I mean that is a super pipe dream that you know we buy like a barn a knockdown barn somewhere off the A1 or something and just set it up Um, but I mean I think I'm going to still I'm doing Reiki at go deep anyway I do my email readings from home eventually I'll get a cabin for myself because I want my own space mm-hmm. um, and then it means as well like if we do both start doing it full time then he can do floats all day and then I can ha- still have people and we don't have to because at the minute we're kind of taking it in terms like can I have it for Reiki he's like yeah <laughs> so it's just kind of working around the clock a bit at the minute um, so yeah that's 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 the ultimate plan I think it would be amazing yeah, it excites me a lot. I think this is. I think that's the difference for me between this work and music is that, as even though I was technically good at music, it just there was always something missing, and this to me just like completely lights me up. Yeah, well, you even listening to you talk about music, you know, you. That's why I'm so intrigued to find out, you know, when you're having lessons when you're a child, because my two boys well all my kids by this point but certainly the the older two boys i'm really kind of they've got access to music Mm -hmm. bum bum um (laughs) because i do music and there's guitars and there's piano and there's there's things all around all the time and i'm kind of in this mindset rightly or wrongly at the moment of just kind of exposing them to stuff yeah which kieran and i spoke a little bit about Mm -hmm. actually there's the guitar and if i pick my guitar up and play it started like when they were really little you know, if I'd left my guitar on the side or whatever, they'd crawl over and just start hitting the strings and banging yeah. the guitar. And I, at first I'd be like, whoa, whoa, that's my guitar. Like, and then I realised, I'll just let them, whatever, it's a yeah. guitar, for God's sake. They're having fun. And then, you know, once one of them was stood up at however old, you know, he's getting up to 18 months to it, got him a little, little four-string thing. Because he just liked to, whenever I played mine, you know, he wanted to hold his. And then that's carried on. And now one of them's got like a little three-quarter electric with an amp. And mm-hmm. he knows how to turn it on. And he's got a whammy bar. <laughs> And he knows how to put, you know, put the crunch on and he likes it in a certain sound. And he's got a mic and a, they've got a kit in their bedroom and they love Sam Fender at the moment. Big shout Sam Fender, Newcastle. Um, <laughs> Newcastle blood is in the family. Um, but they just love to imitate and mm-hmm. they're playing by, by playing, yeah. essentially, because the older one's already picking up on, oh, he's only kind of doing one string on that bit and... So I'm kind of like, do I send them to lessons? Like I found a lady who, a client of mine, who's she, she piano teacher. She's lovely, very mm-hmm. lovely energy. She's a, and I thought that'd be perfect because then I'm not just sending them off to the yellow pages, you know, yeah. you know, that like came in organically. But then I'm like, would I? Would I is that? Am I going to be taking the magic away? Because he's got a ma- there's a magic there at the moment where he wants to explore. It's very difficult because I I didn't appreciate it at the time, but looking back on it, I'm really, really glad they pushed me. Mm. And I've always said that um, to anybody. Like, I'm, you know, even though 
playing all those pieces and stuff when I'm like grade five repertoire and then you're six and it's just one grade after the other. But actually, I wouldn't have been able to play or do all the kind of band work. And that was the good thing as well, actually. I did cover bands quite a lot. I did ABBA, I did Motown. Um, I think I joined the Tarantinos for a few practices. Mm. Like, you know, and that's so much easier to pick up if you know your way around it and if you can... You know, with all the technical knowledge that I had, it was so much easier to pick up and to work with people in a group and say, okay, yeah, no, you play that and then I can play this. And I think that's where you you can clash with people is that if you're working with all people that have just kind of are all self-taught and, you know, oh, it sounds like this. Okay, that's great. Hang on. And then they do it and then it works. That's Mm. amazing. Mm. And I think you'll still get the same thing. But if anything, it might be slightly more rigid if yeah. you have something but i i wouldn't ever regret having lessons because i wouldn't have had the motivation or the commitment to just teach myself but then i also think if the passion's there you'll do it regardless well this is this is interesting because i didn't have any lessons in anything i literally went to joined a band at like 14 with a couple of friends who did have lessons who you know and they did have a big summer one of them had a big summer house in the back garden and it was fully kitted out. There's a drum kit. I mean, going to his house was like, whoa, I used to <laughs> love it. It was amazing. And actually, looking back, it was. It makes a lot of sense. His mum was an artist. Dad was a kind of bit of a bohemian businessman, and they had a big sprawling place up in the Balegate there, and a big summer house. And, you know, looking back now, like there was just vinyl everywhere. There was, like, big art prints, just lent up walls. And it was a very creative place, and they had this, this big summer house in the back garden which is where I first, you know, and it was like they were having guitar lessons at 13 years old and they were off, you know, get half a tune mm. out. But I couldn't do anything. It's like, that's how I ended up being a singer because I was yeah. just like, turn around, don't look at me, I'll sing. <laughs> and then after two songs, I was like, okay, right, we're in a band, we're going to be called the blah, blah, whatever. With my kids, it's like, I love the fact that they've got, there's something there, it's intrinsic, they like, they love it. Mm-hmm. But I do think I want them to learn yeah. because what I don't know in just having the science down, you know, like knowing what is possible, what's the geometry of music, you know, like there is this structures and I could do so much more with my intuition mm-hmm. if I knew the, the roadmap better. Yeah. Yeah, because right now I've got a fucking clue what I'm doing. Sounds quite cool. But yeah. I've been caught even doing my own demos. Mm-hmm. I do my own demo and I've winged it on the guitar for two hours on my own and you know, come up with something that's cool. I couldn't play it now. I no. didn't even know where I was on the fretboard. No. That is killer. That's yeah. just like, oh. Yeah, it's good to so just I do want write to it lessons. down. But I find it interesting with you that you've got all of that knowledge and but something just wasn't clicking for you. No, that's it just wasn't. It? And I always knew it. And now looking back on it, that obviously was probably the reason why I didn't want to sing in front of people why I wasn't that bothered about lessons you know there's so why I always wanted to sing with other people because I didn't feel I was good enough to do it on my own um and I just think that if I was that passionate about it I would have been like I don't care what anyone else thinks Mm -hmm. you know and that's what people do if people love music they just go for it mm. and hats off to them. Like, mm. you know, whether they're amazing or they're a sack, sack of shit, mm. like if that's what they love doing, they're doing it. And I just, I just never had that. I think there was a couple of gigs I did with Kieran and I was like, 
oh, that felt really good um, playing our stuff. But I wish I had that same feeling when we were writing and I just never did. It was always him bringing stuff to the table and I felt really bad and it took me a while to kind of realise and kind of admit to him that actually I'm not really enjoying this as much as I should be and I don't think I should do it anymore. And that was quite difficult because obviously the band was such a big part of our relationship you know sort of midway through and I was just like I think if anything I was probably a little bit worried because I was like mm. you know when you have something that big is that then going to affect us mm. but it obviously didn't we were fine well yeah I mean and <coughs> coming back around you because you're all the, all the while you're moving towards your true passion aren't you yeah you're, you're being all of it's playing a part in, mm. in leading you to you know it's what clicked. it is you're meant to do yeah totally and I remember you know, last Friday when I came out of that healing workshop, I could have cried. I felt so happy mm-hmm. and just like, this This is me. And th- that those 10 people have sat there and listened to my instructions and they feel good. They've come out of that session feeling good. And like, you know, one lady came in and she was a bit closed off and I thought, oh shit, this isn't going to sit well with her at all. And you know kind of worked through everything you know by the end she was like I got this and you know I could see this and I was like that's amazing I was Mm. like that's your psychic energy coming through like you're picking up stuff that's not here like you you're connecting that's incredible and just like it's just like a face completely changed Mm. by the end of the session it Mm. was like that and they leave with that belief that positivity that kind of having found something in themselves cognitively spiritually however you want to frame it that didn't realize there was there didn't have that, yeah that's that just bleeds across yeah everything in your life doesn't yeah. it like a lift it's definitely like lifting. yeah if i could do that every day for the rest of my life i'd be sorted. well you're well on track honey <laughs> and listen we're going to send people to see you people listening to this who you know are intrigued and want to find out more where can they find you mm-hmm. what you got coming up how can people find you and where do they where do they go um so if if you are lincoln based um and you do want to do a healing workshop um i am around so my friend owns a shop in lincoln called cultivate um which is um she's a herbalist and she has her own shop and it's just on grantham street in town um and she hires it out for people that do workshops so i did that healing workshop there last friday got another one on the 27th of march um i want to do a men's one as well specifically for men because i feel like feel like there's people there that want to do it but i think they just don't feel like they're able to come forward Listen, me and my brothers four brothers would would probably like to attend that yeah that would be something really interesting to yeah, do. yeah i think it would be really interesting and it's a completely different energy working with men as well so mm-hmm. yeah i'm really excited about that so i'll i'll get that organized probably april may um and yeah email readings the more is around and then reiki's just at go deep so go deep Mm-hmm. And what about socials? People follow you on socials? And um, yeah, so I have a Facebook page, which is Annie Grace. I think it's Annie Grace Healing, mm-hmm. but it just comes up as Annie Grace. Um, and then I just have my Instagram, which is A.G. Rattigan. Okay. But that is flooded with pictures of my child, <laughs> which I'm really sorry. I don't post anything about. The results of your positivity. Yes, exactly. So it's a good place for me to connect with people. And I will start doing posts that are slightly more interesting than, you know, baby food. Well, I think, you know, people people find you and in in your, you know, 
in your vocation because they're supposed to and it comes for how it comes and I think you know yeah. you're right that dichotomy you have about you know trying to sell anything holistic or trying to promote or market anything that's kind of a mm. feeling is really difficult I think it was really difficult as well because I thought I literally thought about this three days ago and I was like I was like okay maybe I could do a separate profile for the spiritual stuff and then have my family and my friends and stuff on another one and I was like I felt I feel like I'm splitting mm. me in half and that's mm. not me so mm. I I don't want to do that I'm just going to start embedding the two together because that is me as a person and I take all of that in and I think even though my service is healing like everything else you know my friends my family my life all affects me and what I do so I I don't want to keep it separate mm-hmm. So that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Well, <laughs> listen, it, you, thank you so much for your time, Annie. It's been it's been really really nice. It's been um, a Saturday afternoon where I feel a Saturday like, well spent. Yeah, exactly. It's and, been great. And I and as I mentioned earlier, I, I'm still digesting and kind of taking in what you sent me last night. Anyway, and having yeah. felt your energy today and kind of sharing this, it's been really really nice. And I'm I'm going to go back and read again tonight and yeah. sort of. Thank you very much. See what it's bleeds been, into my life. It's, it's been, been nice. Yeah. It's been really well, good. Thank you. Thank you for coming and sharing your time with us. And uh, I will link everything in, in the notes there. And Perfect. you take care of yourself. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Thank you, Ty. Thank you for listening to Chew the Chat podcast. Thank you for listening to Chew the Cat podcast. Chew the Cat. I want to do my own work. Go on then. Very angry. And there you go. How cool is Annie? Well, how cool is Annie and Kieran together? What a lovely, lovely couple. Lovely energy. Um, you know, like I say, people who, who haven't maybe listened to Kieran's uh, Ratican's episode, episode number four, go back, check it out. Um, those guys are helping to put some really good energy back in the world. Kieran's got the, the the float business, Go Deep, sponsors of this podcast. And obviously, Annie, as you hear there, with her Reiki and with her workshops and with the card reading and just sort of, yeah, really putting out some lovely warm energy back out into the world and having been through quite a lot together as well. Just a really inspiring pair and it was really lovely having them in here and I can't wait to do it again. And as for the music, I mean, again, like I said with Kieran, when we played um, his demo before his episode, you know, really shocked me, the power. And it's it's there in, in for Ether as well, you know, that guitar, that lovely slidey, rolly, bluesy guitar, that bluesy, soulful vocal from Annie and the the, the layers of harmony together and the, this there's a kind of breakthrough energy about it that I really like. I, I, I love it. And, it, and like I say, if you, uh, if you did dig it, then check out bands like the Civil Wars and you know, specifically the Barton Hollow record because it's, it's right in line with that. But I will link their SoundCloud page in and you can check that out and um, you, know, you, can, you can drop them a message and, and I think you can download them on their page, I think. Um, but yeah, what, what a tune. I really enjoyed it. But Anna, yeah, really lovely girl and made me made me uh, sit back with the reading she did for me uh yeah I, I, like i say I'm not sure what i believe i just know that some people i'm around make me make me sort of look inside a bit and i think that's that's powerful and um yeah at the time of recording 
it was just before all the lockdown and everything and I did see Annie had to she had to cancel some workshops and stuff so I hope that um you know she's finding ways as I'm sure she is to use the internet and you know zoom and like a lot of us are doing and, and finding ways to to carry on carrying on and helping people and people who need to speak and want to get things off the chest she's there so do check her out and I shall link her in and hit her up right thank you so much once again people it's uh continues to be weird but I hope wonderful in many ways we've got to hang on to those positives you know a lot of time with family a lot of time to reflect a lot of time to run and walk and ride bikes and I still stand by it I don't know if I've said it other than the four brothers but I think if we have been blessed by the sun gods then what a time to be blessed because it does feel uncanny that we've had this sun because I do feel like you know the, the kind of the darker side of this thing could have been literally that it was grey, rainy, cold, shitty, and that we couldn't really get out of our houses. And I think we might be in a completely different boat now of, of how we kind of uh, partake in this lockdown. But hoping that we're on the right side of things now, and I'm sure when we look back, it'll be all sorts of different and things we could and should and would do next time. But main thing is hope everybody's okay and that we learn something you know look after ourselves float you know meditate sleep good you know don't need to be the airy fairy stuff because so many of us listen to fucking meditate i got time to meditate what are you talking about fucking sat meditating what are you talking about i've got to get this done that done that and that's yeah i get it man i'm, I'm there as well but maybe we can get good sleep and maybe we can think about some of the things that we're about to gobble up and eat that aren't going to help us out and our immune systems are shot and we get caught you know by things that we maybe couldn't we could avoid if we we're a little bit a little bit better with how we how we care about ourselves and everything gets into a better harmony after that um so yeah these are crazy times we'll be back uh i'm gonna be back i'm gonna say next week i've got a couple more in the can um, and it's just a case of what we can do and when. We've been doing a lot of Four Brothers because we can do that. You know, the guys, we're all brothers, we're quarantined up, we're all good, we can do that. Um, so we maybe do that again. But I have done an episode with my brother Harry um, outside of Four Brothers as, as I Chew the Chat podcast where we do go back and we do we do talk about his childhood and his journey. Um, and that's that was a powerful and interesting episode. Um which will be a continuous one as well because we 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 didn't get right the way through it. So um, it's it's a really interesting first part of Harry's story, uh, and he too is is you know he maybe listened to this and and hit Annie up himself because uh, times aren't great, and I think one of the repercussions of this lockdown and you know we're, we are saving people and we're protecting people and, and all of that but there's a hell of a lot of people that we're not thinking about that are already struggling with anxiety with depression with you know all sorts of of isolation issues of their own regard and then this has sort of hammered in some some pretty hefty nails and uh, i hope we don't see too much of a repercussion um when we start looking at the data and we start you know, seeing what happens after the fact. But um, yeah, certainly tune in for Harry's episode. It was, it was really good fun uh, and insightful. And I learned a lot being his brother. So yeah, listen, I'm away. Thank you to sponsors Go Deep. Thank you to Float Lab Lincoln, 
check them out, do the Googles, but most of all, just take care of yourselves because it is a crazy time and we will see you again soon. Peace. Peace.